0: I'd like to welcome you all to the Thursday, September 8th, 2016, regular meeting of the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees. And I will ask Carol Lee
1: to uh, roll call, please. Right. Amy
2: Martinson? Here. Dan DeGardi? Here. Joanne Busenbach? Yes. Kyle Iverson? Marianne Mancuso? Here.
1: Michael Baldini? Here. Rafael Rios. Here. Thank you very much. We're moving to recognition items,
0: item three on the agenda. I'd like to read a pro- proclamation from the Board of Trustees of Napa Valley Community College District.
3: In honor of
0: Dave, David Anglovich. Give me David. Dave Day, September 27, 2016, whereas Dave Anglovich began as a temporary leave replacement in 1998, was hired permanently in 1999, and has been an invaluable member of the Business and Computer Studies Division and the campus community for 18 years. And whereas David Anglevich served as division chair for business and computer studies division from 2003 to 2010, during his time as division chair, he served the division well and had the interests of the division faculty and students at heart. And whereas David Anglevich has been the program coordinator for accounting programs since 2000 to present, and whereas Dave Anglevich served on many academic senate committees who was the academic senate budget committee co-chair from fall 2001 to fall 2006 and fall 2010 to spring 2014 who was a true champion for the college financial stability programs curriculum development and whereas Dave Angeldick has held an amazing hospitality events by opening up his house on so many occasions to the college to host gatherings and whereas Dave Angeldick was always on the top of his game by staying current in the field of accounting education, actively pursuing professional development in distance education, teaching, and technology. And whereas Dave Anglovich said to those he knew best, I work 24-7, and that is enough, 24 hours a week, 7 months a year. Now, therefore, it be resolved that the Board of Trustees proclaim September 27th Dave's day. And encourages everyone to wear Hawaiian style shirts, all in use and acceptable Pacific Islander, and on that day and to gather at the tennis courts at the hour of eleven forty-five AM Pacific Daylight Time to share memories of (laughs) Dave. It was my tennis racket in hand i was practicing i see many of them here are moving to uh, another wonderful time uh where, where annually we uh, Take a look at the faculty members and uh, the Board of trustees is uh, pleased to announce the following faculty members have successfully completed their evaluation in spring 2016 and have achieved tenured status as of the fall 2016. yes I'd like to call on Eric to help us explain the the, the procedure and the the uh, committee the tenure committee. Responsible.
4: Absolutely. Good evening, Board, and good evening, members of the public and uh, college staff. Um, first, first off, um, you know, con- uh, congratulations to these five faculty members, and uh, it's, it's truly an honor to serve with all of you. And thank you to the Board for having granted tenure on the recommendation of the Tenure Evaluation Committee uh, to these five faculty members. Um, we are truly honored to have them on our staff here. So we have five uh, five faculty members um, who achieved tenured status this year, who were recommended to the board and approved by the board um, this past spring. And they are Christy Iwamoto, James McGowan, Aaron Queeley, Melinda Tran, and Eric Wade. What, we, what we've asked for tonight is a tradition that we uh, that we did for many years, and in fact, I remember a board meeting in two thousand six uh, when uh, Diana Shabodi was academic senate president, and I was a newly tenured faculty member. Um, where we were given a moment in front of the board and publicly recognized before the board for our achievements, uh, both prior to and having been an employee here at Napa Valley College. And so we're really excited tonight that we, um, that we were able to do this for the board to highlight these faculty members for you, but also for them to publicly recognize the service that they've provided to the college and uh, looking forward to the years of service ahead that we're going to squeeze out of you. So... Um, with, uh, with, that, with that said, the way that we'd like to, that we'd like to do this tonight, uh, both myself, uh, the division chair, the dean from the divisions um, uh, that are represented by these faculty members, um, we'll say a little bit about the background of each one of these faculty members, how they got to us, and then we're going to turn it over to uh, Amanda Badgett, to our Academic Senate president, um, to tell us about just how wonderful they are now and how wonderful they're going to continue to be in the future now that they've been given this illustrious status as tenured professor at Napa Valley College. Um, So to that end, um, now, I want to say that there are two of the faculty members who were not able to be here tonight because they're doing their job. So I want to be very clear about that. So we have a couple of our faculty members, actually, that are uh, working right now, uh, one of them in a classroom at this moment teaching, um, doing what they do best and doing exactly what they hired them for. So we will be recognizing them um, in absentia. But we do have uh, the uh, representative from their division here um, to say a few words about them. So to begin with, if I could call in Denise Roselli to say a few words for us about Christy Iwamoto.
1: Hello. Um,
5: I, I have a, a couple of things to say about Christy and her background, but I need to kind of apprise you of what hiring her was like. It was a tense situation because good people are wanted by multiple institutions and as it tends to happen at the same time. So we had gone through the entire process with Christy. We had offered her the job she had accepted, but it was up to the board to you know sort of put that stamp of approval and that meeting was yet to come. So I'm sitting in my office as division chair, and I get a phone call from Solano. And they said, hi, we're doing reference checks um, for hires. Um, And um, I was wondering if you could talk to me about Christy Momoto. I said, love to, but heading to class. So I hung up the phone. And so from then on, I was on the phone daily to Sue Nelson saying, can we call a special board meeting? Solano is breathing down my neck. They are going to offer her that job, too. And um, as it happened, uh, the board did meet, did give her the stamp of approval, and she did later tell me NAPA was always the first on her list. But I had to play sort of a weird game with Solano. Um, let me tell you a little bit about her. She uh, got her, her bachelor's degree in English from um, CSU East Bay and her master's degree from the same institution um, with concentrations in women's literature and LGBT literature um, she 's worked worked here part time um, since two thousand and nine and then full time um, in two thousand and twelve um, she 's also really quite active um, at, at the union level, um, not only locally where she serves as our first vice president and negotiator for the faculty association, but she serves on CTA statewide governance committee um, and she um, Let's see. La, 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 la. Director at Large for Community College Association, um, Women's Issues Director, and she also does something for NEA. I'm not sure what it is, but she goes back east every year. Um, one other thing about Christy that you should know is that she is the perennial optimist to my perennial pessimist. and um, she She told me once when she was part-time, and I just knew we needed to get this woman as um, a full-time instructor. She told me once that, um, you know, everybody has challenges, everybody has struggles, and indeed she's had her share, but she says, I've made a conscious decision to be an optimist. And I just thought that was just, you know, really quite lovely. And to that end, she's really kind of devoted herself to other extracurricular activities. She has this dog named Maurice, He's a Chihuahua Mix Rescue. But I have to give you his background because he's got degrees as well. Uh, Maurice has received his Canine Good citizen, citizen and Therapy Dog Excellent Titles from the American Kennel Club. I guess that's an aunt, a PhD in dog world. <laughs> and he's currently setting to be a dog-stout cadet. But what Christy does, which I really like, is she takes him um, – to extended care, to long-term care facilities. And Maurice visits with the um, folks that live there. She also takes him to the libraries where we found that if children who are reluctant to read can read aloud to dogs, life is better for everyone. So she does a lot of that kind of volunteer work. So she's just really, really quite super. And she's a fabulous teacher, and her students adore her.
6: I should make it a rule never to follow Denise Rosselli because of course <laughs> she 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 stole all my material but um I want to just speak briefly then about Christie as a colleague um Christie as uh Denise mentioned is uh d- doing tremendous service for our local association and then at, at higher levels than just our campus um and I would also speak to, though, from a Senate perspective, Christy has served on a number of committees. She was on professional development, which was actually, um, I, from conversations I've had with her, uh, a matter very near and dear to her heart, and one that you know um, we would exchange ideas and talk about possible uh, professional development projects that cross disciplines, and and it was really quite exciting and. And yes, to echo what Denise has said, she is um, someone that it's always a pleasure to run into. And um, one of my most recent encounters was late in the afternoon. I was talking to another colleague. This would have been late spring last year and and last academic year. And late spring, any semester, any academic year is is a time of, shall we say, exhaustion and and frayed nerves and and and. Short tempers, and to see Christy wandering down the faculty hall with Maurice, whom I almost called Marcel, thank God <laughs> Denise mentioned it by name. And she was just going to take Maurice for a walk. She had come in briefly to say hello to a colleague she was going out. And, um, and just, yes, a kind of perennially positive person and somebody who is uh, genuinely a pleasure to work with. So, thanks.
4: So the next person that we have here on our list, um, normally, as I said, we would have the division chair or the division dean of the area in which the professor works introduce them. Um, but I would have to have J- uh, Dr. James McGowan introduce himself in that case, because not only was he tenured in spring, he stepped forward to be division chair for social sciences this past spring, which I think is a wonderful indication of exactly um, the sort of quality faculty member that we have in Dr. McGowan. Uh, Um, So, with James, um, he is a product of the California community college system. There are many of us that work here that are. He started at Moorpark College uh, before he transferred uh, to the University of California at Santa Barbara to pursue a bachelor's degree in history. From there, he went on to UC Davis, where he pursued both a master's degree and then a Ph.D. as well, which he earned in uh, 2010. His dissertation... Uh, his, the research for his dissertation focused on the American conscientious objector movement during World War I. Um, and while there, he was awarded the prestigious Littleton Griswold Grant for Research in Legal History from the American Historical Association. Um, also, before coming to teach here at Napa Valley College, he taught for several other community colleges around Southern California as an adjunct instructor in history. Um, he also served as the director for the Rancho Camulus Museum and National Historic Landmark in Ventura County and is the editor of the Journal of Ventura County History. Um, and so um, uh, Dr, Dr. McGowan, again, um, as, as I said, you know, we would normally have uh, the division chair or the dean do the introduction, and so I'm going to do it for him here tonight on his behalf um, because he has just been an extraordinary colleague since we hired him on here, and all the promises that we uh, saw in him when he was hired have really come to fruition, which is why I'll go ahead and turn it over now to Amanda Badgett to talk about his work here.
6: So, um, Jim McGowan has uh, the distinct honor of being essentially a one-person program, and he was hired to be the the first full-time historian that we had previously. That discipline was Shared um, with another. So uh, as a result, Jim uh, was immediately kind of uh, plunged into the world of curriculum, and I worked in my capacity as curriculum chair with Jim. I feel like i got to do this, <laughs> Jim. I see you back there. Um, and, and, and so Jim not only came in and revised curriculum, but actually put together um, an ADT, an associate degree for transfer, the first degree we've had at this college in history, which is a wonderful thing. And on top of that, I would have to say I've, I've had the pleasure of seeing Jim teach. And it was not, at that point, he was not yet an employee of this college, but I did get to see him teach. And as somebody whose discipline I would say of anybody on this campus overlaps most closely with my own, I immediately saw a great teacher. And I know this to be the case because I hear glowing reviews from my st- from the students that he and I have, have shared. And so um, he, yes, he's had to, and now he's stepped into this role as division chair, brave man that he is, and I think will continue to remain dedicated to students as well as his discipline, as well as the division, and we're very lucky to have him. Thanks.
4: Thank you, Jim. And now I'm going to turn the floor over to Dr. Stephen Fall for our next uh, person on the list.
7: It is my great pleasure to introduce everybody to Dr. Erin Qualey, our, our uh, instructor in physics. Erin uh, came to us from UC Berkeley where she uh, studied astrophysics and uh, specifically building telescope cameras to uh, measure relic radiation from the Big Bang. If you talk to her about it, when I first met her, I asked her, what do you do? And she says, I was searching for the face of God. So, um, She's um, been very, very involved at the college since she's since she's gotten here. Uh, she's been the club advisor for Sockness. Uh, she's been uh, club advisor for Circle K, uh, which is a Kiwanis affiliated service club, um, and she's also been recently been working with uh, the Nassau, received a, RAS, a Nassau Community College Curriculum Development Grant, um, uh, working with Sonoma State and CSU Fresno. And uh, she's currently creating courses about electronic data collection uh, using drones and rockets. She has uh, put together an amazing program, and I honestly, I very much admire her. Uh, she's been also been working with uh, the California uh, Space Grant-funded internships at Sonoma State, um, and a new pilot program with NASA about microcontroller programming. Um, she's put together a maker lab. I don't know if you guys know what a maker lab is. It's a, it's a lab uh, where you get to go in and build things. And she's got a, a laser cutter, she's got uh, 3D printers, and computers, and bandsaws, and hacksaws, and electronics. I mean, you've got just about everything. you do. She even has a sewing machine. So you know, pretty much anything you would want to build or even conceive of is possible to be built um, uh, down there. And it's all because of her desire uh, to you know help help the students. You know, I think it's cool. She's trying to get her students out of the classroom and and into other fields where they're working with their hands. That are they're not at school, but they're still learning. Um, and they're they're using their creativity to make things instead of just book stuff that we teach them all the time so it's all very much hands-on and it's i think it's wonderful i can't wait to see what she what she continues to do i can't believe she's been doing this and been untenured frankly uh, because <laughs> she's put a ton of work into into all of this and it's and it's really neat to see the 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 uh, energy that's that's been uh, put into our program because of Erin's presence in it, and I'm glad that she's uh, very much uh, with us. So, thank you very much.
6: I'll I'll keep it brief. Um, so Erin, um, I obviously is uh, has done remarkable work, and I guess what I would say is, you know, you hear on a daily basis the. the the kind of nationwide lament about mathematics and sciences and women and and, and this kind of gap that happens with girls and and somewhere around middle school level where mathematics and sciences don't seem to be available anymore um, or the attitude thereof. And I think we are doubly blessed by the fact that she is so active both with our students and as, as Steve has mentioned taking them out of the classroom, but also introducing our students to this world of beyond our campus through these NASA grants, I think, is an extraordinary, extraordinary blessing we have as a campus. And I just have one brief little anecdote. Um, It's now been a couple of years, but I I won't, I'll never forget, right after the earthquake, um, apparently a, a lab or storage area just apparently was a disaster. And there Erin was an idea and I dare say others and um, I just remember the incredibly gracious email of thanks she sent out across the server about the the assistance she'd received in putting this space this instructional space back together and um and and what an incredible sort of Challenge it must have been right at the beginning of school to have that happen, and then kind of muster the, the support she needed, and then thank everybody. So, uh, yeah, that, I think that's very much a statement about Aaron. Thanks. Okay,
4: so next on the list, I'm going to turn it over to Howard Willis, the Dean for Counseling.
8: Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I have the distinguished honor of recognizing Melinda Tran, our Articulation Officer slash counselor. Uh, Unfortunately, she is unable to uh, be here this evening, but I have a few words to say uh, about her, about her background, and some words of her own that she wanted to share uh, with all of us. Melinda received her B.A. in psychology and B.S. in human development from UC Davis in 2001. Prior to receiving a master's in social work from San Francisco State University in 2005, She held some positions with the Santa Clara County Mental Health and the UC Davis Medical Center for research in parent-child interaction therapy and cultural competency. In 2007, she began her academic counseling profession, working in various roles in community mental health, including a clinical associated social worker serving diverse populations in the South Bay Area. While working with the probation and foster youth, providing in-school and in-home therapy, she realized her academic counseling career aspirations. Now, with nine years of experience as a community college counselor, working at more than five different campuses, she is happy to have settled at Napa Valley College. Now, in her own words, she wanted to say, serving students is my utmost priority and has been the most enjoyable and rewarding career I ever imagined. Many times I assist students by using myself as an example of finding a career that one will love and not just a job. I have a unique role as the sole articulation officer of the campus and bear great responsibility to ensure the success of not only transfer students, but all students, especially those who come from first generation refugee families such as myself dream of a higher education as a way to advance in life in a new country. I am humbly honored to serve all students and work alongside some of the most amazing colleagues. Thank you for taking time to recognize me as a newly tenured faculty.
6: Well, obviously I can't improve on Melinda's own words, but what I would like to say is that um, I've worked uh, quite closely with Melinda again when i my role was uh, chair of the curriculum the faculty chair of curriculum committee, and she as mentioned was is the articulation officer and what I can say is um, you know articulation is can be a, a rather uh, well it, it's it 's a critical role for our students but in when it 's curriculum chair and articulation officer, there would be times when I would sort of along with the faculty member, get this idea and we should do this class and this is da da, da. And, and there would be Melinda quietly, patiently, indicating <laughs> where there might be a little hitch. If you do that accelerated course in math, now what are you going to do about, you know, whether this meets this requirement or whether this is going to articulate. And, and and I'd be like, oh, right. And Melinda has that level of um, kind of attention to detail, which... Um, Unfortunately, I didn't always. And she was a wonderful person to work with to remind me, oh, but wait a minute. If you do A, the consequence could be B for our students. And, and as was just expressed, that was always, always her priority was how can we best get our students to these four-year institutions. So thank you.
4: And last but not least, I'm also going to serve in the position as um, apparently I, have, I think I have another hat, uh, the dean for career technical education and economic workforce development. While we are in the process of hiring uh, for that right now, but right now what I'd like to do is talk about Eric Wade. Um, Eric Wade is uh, a welding instructor. Uh, he is now a welding professor, uh, thanks to the action that the board took uh, late last spring. Um, I have really started to get to know him now in my new in my new job as the interim vice president of instruction, served on a hiring committee with him right off the bat. And actually, the funniest part of the hiring committee is that it was Merrick, Eric, and Eric uh, next to each other in, in the in the hiring committee. And, and I, I felt very sorry for the candidates when we were introducing ourselves, you know, worrying that they thought it may have been a joke. Um, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about Eric's background uh, before he came here because um, his background is rather extraordinary, uh, the range of things that he has done in his life. So he started off his teaching career in 1990 at Butte College, which is in Chico, California. Um, um, and, after, uh, and he did this after a successful career as a ranch manager for a native pasture farm in Cabernet Vineyard Management. Um, he was recruited to teach at Butte College by Dale Rogers, who had come across uh, him in his welding business. that was part of his ranching operation. So he came to teaching from that. Um, he taught for uh, Butte College for five years until 1995 uh, when he finished grad school, and he took a teaching position at Sierra High School in Tollhouse, California, teaching ROP welding. So, uh, again, one of the amazing things that you'll see in, in, in Eric's background before he came to us was the breadth of experience that he had across public uh, education, not just higher education. He's somebody that you'll see in a lot of this who's bridged all of these all of these transitions for students from middle school to high school to college. And it's a, it's a wealth of information and understanding he has about that that he brings here to our college. Uh, from, Sierra high, uh, from Sierra High School, um, he went on to teach special programs in Weldon at Reedley College um, until 2010. Uh, from there, he took a, a professor position at Southwestern Oregon Community College in Coos Bay, Oregon, um, where the program had received a community-based job training grant Of which he was hired to modernize the program, and he increased enrollment by 110% while there, developed curriculum and certification program for a mobile training lab, and instituted training for rural middle school and high school students on the Oregon coast. So again, not just focusing on the higher education component, but the entire pipeline for students from middle school on up. Um, Another thing that he, another uh, program that he helped to put in place while he was there. That he put together training for displaced and battered women that was called Women in Welding. Um, It was a very successful program that he put together that had an 80 percent pass rate and a 65 percent employment rate for the completers. Um, He came he came here to Napa Valley College when we offered him the position to be closer to his seven children and his 14 grandchildren, and uh, has served here with us with distinction for the years in between. And with that, I'll go ahead and turn it over to Amanda Badgett to talk a little bit about his work for us.
6: So Eric has, um, again, I've worked directly with him in the capacity as curriculum faculty chair. And I remember one particular, he was revising what was curriculum that needed, you know, updating uh, per our program evaluation process. But um, but one thing sticks in my mind, which was there were hours attached to this one course, and in this particular program, it, like a number of our CTE programs, they can be kind of lengthy, you know, students take them, and they're fairly lengthy times on the floor do, building the skills, but Eric looked at it, and he realized that it wasn't inefficient, that the that, that hours needed to change, not because he wanted to teach more, but actually because the hours as uh, attached to this course didn't serve students well. And so he made it a change to a course within all the, by the way, all the legal, you know, it was all done appropriately. But but the decision made didn't have to do with what was convenient for him or, or not that faculty do that, but that, that this was an idea that um, was to support students. And, he, and the thing is, as, as established uh, by his long career before he came to us, he knew what student, students needed, and I think um, that that says much about him as an instructor and somebody who, and now professor and somebody who has dealt, who's worked with all of these populations um, previously to coming to Napa Valley College. Um, he's also, if you have interacted with him at all, he's a kind of no nonsense guy. Um, a year ago, his house was in grave danger with the fire around the Clear Lake area in the Middletown, Middletown area. And I, you know, dutifully sent, shot off an email saying, you know, do you need anything? And, and he was like, no, 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 it's good, it's good. And, I mean, I don't know, the roads were closed. They were on a generator for weeks. But he, he, he was fine. And he said, just focus on other, uh, other staff who might be impacted more than we are. And finally, um, yeah, I didn't realize there were fourteen grandchildren. I do know that when you get them on the subject, there's a lot of gruff like, whoa, you got to be mean to them." And I don't, I don't believe a, a syllable of it. He <laughs> is, looks like such a pushover. So anyway, thank you,
4: Eric. Please stand up. <laughs> Well, again, congratulations to all of you, and I'm really glad that you were able to come here tonight. And it's so wonderful to hear all of this uh, fantastic stuff about the work that you've done here, uh, but you're also just who you are in this world. And thank you so much for your dedication and service to the college. And we will really will be relying on you in the coming years, so please don't run away just yet. Thank you. And thank you to the board for providing us this opportunity for recognizing these faculty members for you.
9: Mr. Chairman? Yes. I don't know whose idea this was, but I wish we'd have done it starting twelve years ago. I mean this is phenomenal. It's such a connection with uh you know, between us and the classroom, which uh it bridges that gap very nicely. So thank you to whomever came
0: up with the idea. Thank you and congratulations. Uh, James McCowan and Eric Wade, Melinda Tran. Christy Guomoto and, and Aaron Qualey, thank you very much on behalf of the Board of Trustees. And congratulations. Uh, there will be uh, cake and coffee over there. We have a little bit of board business, and then we'll take a longer recess uh, to accommodate the uh, festivities. So at this time, we'll move to, uh, uh, and these aren't my glasses, so forgive me, I, I, uh, but I will use them. Uh, happily. So we're moving on to 4.1. This is closed session public comment on closed session. This time the board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding closed session agenda items. Individuals will be limited to a five minute presentation. I see uh, 5.05 Pacific Daylight Time. I hereby open the public comment section on closed session items. Do we have any cards uh, at all? No one approaching. Close and cut the cake. Uh, Close session items. Thank you very much. Let's stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Please, Marianne, will you lead us? The
2: United States of America.
0: Much, Marianne. This time we're looking at the agenda, and if if we necessary, we will we will have a um, and with the approval of the board. There's no objections. We'll have a short recess at 8 p.m. I'm looking uh, any adjustments to the agenda.
2: Um, there was a second accreditation update information item that is not needed anymore, so you can
1: remove it from the agenda.
0: All right, very good. So with that, the agenda is adopted. This time uh, moving to the public comments section, section 7. The board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the board of trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. That means no comments from the uh, board of trustees or... Individuals will be limited to a five-minute presentation. At this time, the board chair will pull those in attendance. I have two speaker cards, and uh, let's begin with Ms. Lisa Hanover.
10: Hi, thank you for hearing me. I'm. Um Like many members of the NVC community, I was greatly saddened by the loss of David Engelovich this past summer. We have been hearing since before the beginning of the semester of the plan to honor Dave with a day dedicated to him, much like the memorial at his house. While having a day dedicated to Dave is a lovely idea, I think a more permanent memorial would honor his memory and comfort his family even more powerfully. Dave's generosity in opening his home and his heart helped this community through very divisive times, fostering our collegiality and goodwill when these sentiments were greatly threatened by budget crises and instability. We cannot just call NBC a family or community without upholding, honoring, and fostering the values that make this community possible. And it starts by honoring, above all else, the people who make up this community. I would like to propose we name the NBC tennis courts Dave Ingelovich Tennis Courts and post a plaque. It would be nice to see a memorial to Dave in a place he loves so much. It is important that his family know his memory is treasured by us and to see it in a tangible and lasting form. I am happy to help move this project forward but need direction from you um, to know what the next steps are in making this happen. I do have an NBC email. I know you can't comment right now, but I would love to hear from you about how, we might, how I can be helpful in making
11: it happen.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Lisa. Also, have a card from Mr. Jeff Shekman
12: Thank you. I'd like to first of all beg the chair and the board's indulgence and perhaps take a little longer than uh, the requisite five minutes. I could be a lot of different people and do different voices in you know response to to the muffinettes last last month, but uh I would like to respond to some of that and say a few other things. So if the chair will indulge me, I would like to perhaps go a little longer than five minutes. Is
0: there anyone else here interested in speaking at the public comment section? <clears throat> one. Sorry, why don't you go first? We, we began at 60, 6.07. So if, if you'd like to take the mic, please.
13: Hello. Thank you for hearing me. I'm Michael John-Vecchio. I'm a faculty member here at Napa Valley College. Uh, I just wanted to speak uh, about the the president's new contract. I heard that um, not only was his contract extended for three years, but also that there was a pay increase. And the concern that I had as a Napa Valley College faculty member is that Napa Valley College faculty are paid toward the bottom end of the pay scale relative to other colleges. And so the notion that the President right now has a, um, a a pay package that is actually toward the top end we have a, a signi- significant discrepancy between those two and so that's a grave concern to many Napa Valley College faculty members. So I just want to make sure that the board was aware of that concern and had the you know had that knowledge that there is that discrepancy and it it really um, it really seems inappropriate to me. Uh I don't know if that's the values that the board ascribes to, is the notion of the top end, you know, the rich getting richer and (laughs) the poor staying where they're at. Uh, But uh, I just wanted to say something to that effect. Thank you.
0: So you may proceed, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
12: All right. I'll try and keep an eye on the clock. No matter where uh, you may stand on whether or not he should be on the Hall of Fame, Pete Rose was once quoted as saying, if they ain't booing, you ain't hitting. And I have to assume that uh, the comments that were made last week by the group that came here really is an indication that, that we are hitting, that in fact, after two years, starting from virtually nothing, starting with an idea, a concept that you all were generous enough and visionary enough to share with me that we've truly accomplished something and built something that that I think is really an asset to the community. In two years, through earthquakes, fires, a couple of elections, we've dealt with some key issues, and we've got an effort going on that that literally everyone in the community that has an agenda, that is an elected, that is staff, county, city, various other cities in the county – Wants to be on and wants to be part of. We started this, as I say, with just the germ of an idea. We took a space that uh, looked like a neutron bomb had gone off. The people had disappeared, but uh, the bomb had done physical damage. It was, you know, graffiti, linoleum floors, bolts sticking out of the floors, and we turned it into a radio station. We turned it into a studio. We turned it into a community asset. But one of the things I think that needs to be clarified, at least it was my sense from from listening to the comments last month, is what we are. And what we are is a combination of a lot of things. We're a journalism site. We're an advocacy journalism site. We're partly a radio station, partly editorial, partly community news. There is no clear and obvious model for what we're doing The Neiman Lab Daily Digest, which is a daily newsletter put out by the uh, Neiman Journalism School at Harvard, is going to be doing a story coming up in the next couple of months on what we're doing here. And one of the things that they've interviewed me about and one of the things that they're going to write about is this idea of finding new ways to do community journalism, to do it at a time when local terrestrial radio is basically disappearing, when local newspapers are dying across the country, and the idea of, of doing what it is that we're trying to do here in terms of community journalism and all the other aspects that I've alluded to that, we, that we've talked about, the idea of trying to do it within the context or even in association with or in relation to a community college makes a lot of sense in, in their view. First of all, because there are so many community colleges around the country, it's an obvious place to try and tie into the community. And because there's a history of community colleges being involved with radio and public radio. Yes, it's on a more highfalutin level than we're doing, but there is that history. You know, Los Angeles being perhaps the the greatest example where two of the top public radio stations in the country are both associated with community colleges in Los Angeles, KCRW in Santa Monica and KPCC in, in Pasadena. To do what we're trying to do is something that requires calibration, it requires effort, and requires constant adjustment. One of the other things that I heard in the comments last month was clearly a misunderstanding, and I think you all understand it, but for the record, we'll clarify it. What we're doing is not a partnership. We have an MOU that basically is a facilities relationship, and one of the things that comes out of it is a lot that we're doing here in the college. I'm going to uh, pass out later, which for, for the board... A breakdown of some of the stuff we've done over the past two years, and we've done over 50 programs, two graduations, one and a half years of Board of Trustees meetings. We broadcast Mike Thompson's financial aid forum, the citizenship ceremony over at the PAC. Uh, We've promoted some of the theater programs. We've brought literally almost every single elected official in the county over here at one time or another, many of whom haven't stepped foot on this campus in many, many years. Next week, uh, the the future Attorney General of the State of California, in all likelihood, Kamala Harris, will be over here for an interview that we're doing. And in terms of issues, we're at the the cutting edge of what's going on. We did a story last week about what's going on at the Chamber that literally is going to be responsible for changing policy. We were the first to talk about how the Red Cross had failed in the Lake County fire. We've been at the cutting edge of a lot of stuff just yesterday to take the most recent example. Just yesterday, Bill Dodd was over here in the morning to talk about the Veterans Forum that he's doing here at the college. We did a program on that. Later on in the day, a whole group from Aldea was over here to talk about a new initiative that they're doing with respect to teen suicide. We've got a lot of new and interesting things coming up. We're going to be doing a lifestyle program, a Spanish language news program. I hope uh, we're going to be doing, and Gabriel and I have been talking about it, a program in association with the Associated Students. We have become, in short, something that has real value. And that cuts both ways. When the husband of a city council member yells and gets irate and sends letters out because of what we're doing, it means that we're doing something right. It means that we're relevant. It means that we're making a difference. I think it's the kind of thing that if you look at our neighbor's that Solano College wishes they had or Santa Rosa JC wishes they had, um, which which really kind of brings me to the central controversy of all this, which is the editorial part of this, which I've been here to speak about in the past, which is the, the underground NAPA section. I think the underground NAPA section has a lot of value. It's responsible, as you'll see in the stuff that I'll pass out later, for 20% of the traffic that comes into the site. However... One of the things that I'm going to do, in fact, it's already done, is Underground Napa now stands as a completely standalone site. There is no longer a link from the Napa broadcasting site to the UndergroundNapa.com site. It will allow a lot of things to happen. I think it will make all of you, I hope it will make all of you feel better if you had any concerns about that. But, you know, it's interesting that these things have unintended consequences. Some of you may remember a number of years back, when Rush Limbaugh got into that whole brouhaha with the Sandra Fluke situation. I think all of you probably remember that. One of the things that happened is that there was a whole uproar about it. Everybody got excited. A number of mainstream sponsors, PepsiCo, and there were a few others, pulled out of a show. So, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. It's too risky, too controversial. So what happened is they went out and they got other sponsors. They got male baldness. They got gold. They got uh, erectile dysfunction sponsors all that that fit in more with his agenda. So, you know, the the main thing it accomplished by those mainstream sponsors pulling out is it made the things they were most concerned about more unpleasant and more awful. So these things do have unintended consequences, but but the good news is that, that we are separating the two things. You know, it's interesting. We're the only, you know, Underground Napa is the only place to find this kind of snarky comment and, and the stuff that we've been doing. But, you know, if you go to a lot of major cities, you'll find 10, 15, 20 different places doing it, including in New York, you know, on the front page of the New York Post, which does it every day for everybody to see. But we are going to separate the two. And the other thing, finally, that I want to talk about in response to to last month is that it's really important for people, and some of those people that were here last month were, for public figures to have a little bit of a sense of humor about this stuff and to understand... You know, in the immortal words of Hyman Roth and the Godfather, this is the business we have chosen. And if you're going to be a public figure, that's part of what comes with the territory. Over the years, and and I think Joanne probably more than anybody knows this, having heard it over the years, I've gone after a lot of people. And some of those people that I have said the meanest, cruelest, nastiest things about have become close personal friends. Some of you may remember Eric Sklar, who was on the St. Helena City Council for a long time. He did a few things that really ticked me off, and I went after him. I renamed him Eric the Weasel. I went after him every single day for the longest time. Eric and I are very good friends. We had dinner last week. I tried to convince him to run for a political office, in fact, that he wasn't ready to do right now. Um, is a former head of the Farm Bureau, who her and her husband are are very close friends of my wife and and I. And I said terrible things about her like 15 years ago when she was running the Farm Bureau – in a in a battle that was a political battle that was going on at the time. John Tudor, who I have said things about in the context of elections and some of the things that, that he's done. Um, in fact, there was a case that went to court in the Mike Rippy election, some of you may remember, where I went to court and testified against him. In any case, John Tudor is one of my closest friends, and he married my wife and I. So there is a separation in all this between the public part And the personal part and um, people that go into public service, people that run for office, people that are public officials have to know that comes with the territory. They're doing their job. I'm doing my job. It's not personal. There are those that that don't get that. I understand that, but most of them do. And uh, I just wanted you all to understand that. The one thing I have found over the years, and, you know, Sun Tzu once said, that if you stand by the riverbank long enough, the bodies of your enemies wash up. <laughs> sort of what happens. I thank you for the extra time this evening. Appreciate it. I hope it's clarified a few things. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. With a minute remaining. Do we have anyone else on public comment? I hereby declare the public comment section closed. Time we're at item eight, which is the constituent group reports. We'll start out with the Academic Senate. So please.
6: Um, good evening, Board. I would like to ask that these remarks, um, which I can provide a copy to you, Carly, would be part of the minutes. Please. Um, can we post them as your report, or do you want them in the minutes? Because currently
2: I, that is a little
6: complicated. Um, all right. Can we talk about it? I guess I would prefer the minutes we can talk about. Sure. Thank you. Um, Early one morning last week, Board, um, my eye fell upon a headline in the Napa Valley Register stating that the college was considering housing. The same evening a news crew was in town and interviewed President Kraft on the subject, though I do understand the news crew found itself at loose ends through a bizarre chain of events, and that's why they were in the Valley. But Um, This information did come as a surprise to members of the Academic Senate. And while it's been clear that this project is in its exploratory stage, there's plenty of concern that this initiative, long-range as it must be, would certainly have an impact on matters of planning and budget, which fall under shared governance. As faculty communicated concerns to me, I shared these with President Kraft, and I'm encouraged that two forums have been scheduled to to talk about this initiative and the possible scenarios and impact next week, the 14th and 15th of September. And again, I am not stating here that faculty are for or against this project. That I cannot speak to. Um, But rather, I am speaking to the necessity for appropriate and substantive dialogue on this initiative. And it is the expectation of the Senate that any aspect of this project that touches directly on matters pertaining to planning or budget or any of the 10 plus one will go to those appropriate committees for vetting and critical input. I am hopeful that the IEPI visit, thats Institutional Effectiveness Partnership Initiative, which we are receiving this fall, might shed some light on how proposed plans such as these can find their homes early within our processes so that faculty can be a part of the conversation in its infancy and thus we will have fewer surprises. And while I am sorry I missed Robin Warnell's repre- uh, re- excuse me presentation on accreditation, I want to report that faculty are working on assessment plans under the auspices of our new outcomes assessment coordinators, Naomi Kianesi and Christina, Christine Christine Palella. In fact, I got a call and an email from Christine just last week about making sure I'm submitting my forms on time. And again, as related to another issue brought to our attention by the ACCJC, evaluation of contract faculty and tenured faculty is well underway and meeting all deadlines thanks to the very steady oversight of second vice president of the Senate, Sherry Lowe. Finally, I want to say how grateful I am to work with the faculty as smart and dedicated as those who were honored earlier tonight. I, I believe you, board, should know what extraordinary talent we have here at the college, and I'm glad we had an opportunity to show you tonight. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Amanda. Administrative Confidential Senate Report, Chief Ken
14: Arnold. Good evening. Ken Arnold, President of the Administrative Senate Group. I'll share with you a couple of the uh, Administrative Senate. We, uh, as a result of our retreat up in uh, St. Helena, there were some, certainly some requests to do a number of things, so our executive board, we all got together and came up with uh, a number of things that we'll be doing over the course of the uh, year. So a couple of social events uh, for the administrators just to give a little chance to get together every so often. We'll be doing those in October and again in December. Uh, equally, there was a request to do small sort of a brown bag Uh, leadership trainings on various topics, and we've scheduled a couple of those. One of them will be uh, Taming Your Email Inbox will be a leadership uh, we're going to (laughs) try. Yeah, it's an ambitious one. And so we're going to try that one. Uh, We're also going to do one talking about is everybody on the same playing field Um, and, uh, you know, that we all are doing everything's moving forward at the same time and the one that will be really interesting in December, and I'm just going to leave you with the title, and then because I'm not going to tell you exactly everything it's about, is that uh, Spend time, Less Time Thrashing About. Leave. We're also going to do a mini-retreat uh, in January, and right now that's sort of shaping up that uh, one of the things we want to do is talk about both uh, is, I think uh, it's, it, leaning towards uh, both the facts in, and, and um, uh, fallacies around surrounding post-traumatic stress, uh, actually helping learn to work with vets, understanding vets' worldview. So uh, one of theirs that comes out of a conversation we were having about how vets have a very distinctive language in the sense that if you know certain words, you can pick up that you're working with a vet based on things that they say. And so that seems to be where we're, we're at, the, the things that are shaping up uh, right now. So it, it'll be an ambitious year. So outside of, though, the Administrative Senate, I just wanted to share with the board that NBC Safe, which is our new phone app, um, had it has had two, uh, uh, excuse the pun, life fire incidents where we uh, used it successfully. We had a young lady who was followed by a person who uh, was uh, – it, nah, it was acting in a way that made her feel threatened. So she was able to use the chat from inside of her classroom, call for assistance, and we were able to make contact with the young man who we're probably going to keep an eye on because it, it, his response to us was a little odd in this whole thing. But uh, she did that from inside the safety of her classroom and was able to summons us, give us information, talk us right into where we needed to be. Um, and then we had another person who uh, again was feeling uncomfortable out in the parking lot? Fired up their button, and we were able to figure out exactly where they were and get up there and and again assist the, assist them. So uh, that is paying off already, and you uh, know that's we've got 500 users. So any chance you get to promote it, please do so shamelessly. Uh, and that's all I have. Thank you very much, sir.
0: Associated students of Napa Valley College Report, uh, Gabriel.
15: Good evening, trustees. Uh, excuse me, I still get shaky when I'm on the mic. probably because of all the people back there. But um, just to start off, the foundation recognition event, um, due to the donation that they gave to uh, the student activity center that we have, has been postponed for another month due to the fact that we need to do a little bit more research into, um, well, actually, has to do with the fact that the plaque itself has to be cast, and that takes um, about a couple weeks to do. So we're working on getting that out. Um, In regards to ASMVC stuff, um, I'm glad to say that we have three members that have recently joined, which puts our total number of members on the board up to 17. So that does help us distribute a lot of the workload that we have to do with student government members. Um, Today we also um, finished appointing all of students to most of the district committees. Um, I'll be reaching out to all the chairs of those committees to let them know um, who has been assigned. And I, I just want to keep in contact with them to make sure that the students are attending and uh, participating. On top of that, we have uh, uh, CCCSAA, which is, you can say seesaw for short. Um, that's a leadership development for our students, and that's coming up on, in October. Uh, it'll be the weekend of the 21st through the 23rd. Um, right now, we're looking at how we're going to fund getting the students to Los Angeles because it's uh, right outside of LAX in the Sheraton Hotel. Um, we're thinking about driving down there, but we need to look into the possibility of driving the new vans down to LA, um, which I heard there might be issues with. Um, that would be the cheapest option. We'd rather not fly because it's it pretty pricey. Um, Also, ASNBC is really going to start focusing on outreaching to students within the next couple of months. Um, During the meeting today, uh, we went over a couple of things, uh, including if you guys are familiar with the posting boards that we have on campus that we manage, a lot of them are falling apart. Uh, They've, you know, they've seen years of abuse, uh, and we're interested in getting, we're interested in building our own, actually. Uh, I just had a discussion with uh, Dave. About uh, potentially making some out of you know metal and making them last, uh, and really we want to one of the biggest things we need to focus on is being able to communicate with the students and I, I keep bringing this up every time I come to the to the to do the report, but it really is so important to have participation because that opens up the door for having more students on uh, district governance committees and our own committees, and, you know, that only helps uh, increase or make student life better on campus because, you know, it's a little it's a little weak, but we're working on it. Um, on top of that, we're also looking at purchasing, uh, if you guys are familiar with the big canopies that they use for shade uh, during events that we have here on campus, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Marines come to the campus, but they have a large canopy that has their logo. We're looking into something similar because Generally, when we go out and we have a table where either we're doing voter registration or we're, you know, trying to get a survey out and trying to figure out what students want, um, they don't really know who we are because we don't have the appropriate signage. So we're looking into getting that. A um, couple more updates. Uh, we've, re- I mentioned earlier that we had a new partnership with the Napa County Library, um, and happy to say that that's going really well, actually. Uh, we recently, I think last week, had uh, the board game nights, which is where um, Napa, Valley, Napa County Library has been having uh, the board game nights for a couple years now. Where you know, where they just offer a variety of different board games to the public to come out and you know just play around and get to know other people. It serves as a networking event, um, and I'm happy to say that in the years that it has been. Uh, being hosted as an event, um, the one we just had last week had 38 people, which is the most people they've ever seen at it. So that's great to hear. Um, and then on top of that, um, we also had or we're also working with uh, having DocuNex, which is a series of hosted videos uh, sponsored by PBS, brought to campus. And I do want to thank uh, Trustee Martinson for making it out there because we watched a, we watched a film called No Le Digas a Nadie, which it means don't tell anyone, and it focused on the struggle of an undocumented student um, going through higher education and the issues she faces with not being able to qualify for FAFSA. Um, transportation is an issue, and we hadn't really ever thought about that as an organization, um, purely, purely just because it's never been brought up. But um, I was able to get in contact with one of the uh, founders of the Napa Valley Dreamers, who is also in attendance at the meeting, and we're going to try to see if we can uh, form a foundation and um, also work on perhaps with Janet Stickman to develop the Cultural Center. So that's all I have for this month. Thanks.
0: Very much, Gabriel. Classified Association Report. Represented by Jan. Move to the Classified Senate Report.
16: I wish I could say that I had a whole lot more to report, but being as the beginning of the semester, it's hard to get everybody together. I mean, it's hard to get everybody together when it's not the beginning of the semester. Um, So this does make it more difficult. So we are looking for ways to get more participation, and that would stem down from getting support from supervisors to encourage their classified professionals to participate and not feel that they have to use any um, certain kind of leave uh, to take their to attend our meetings. Um, some people have mentioned that they've done that. Um, I sent an email out earlier announcing our classified professional for September. It is Melissa Grubbs, formerly Melissa Bartholomew. She's our athletic trainer. Right now, once we can actually get our wheels going and all on the same page, we're still trying to work through our bylaws. Um, We're looking at different guest speakers for the classified retreat coming up in next spring. Uh, Something like Tom Brown to get everybody just active, engaged, involved, and build morale. And then we do have finally confirmed all of our uh, all the seats for us have been filled on the committees, and I'm looking trying to find other people to fill in, but trying to get people to participate in all these committees is like pulling teeth. Uh, sorry, um, and I have been sending out emails to some of the supervisors. I'm going to send them to all of them, just letting them know that which staff members are participating in the, community, or in the committees and just so they're aware that they do need to attend and thanking them also for their support. And then I guess the only other thing is the, the Leadership Academy. That just recently started, and I've had a few people come, and they enjoyed the first section session and are looking forward to the rest of it. That's it.
0: Thank you very much. Diana Chaboti, the association.
6: Um, While Diana's setting up, I'm going to take this quick opportunity to acknowledge Christy Iwamoto, who just (laughs) snuck in. (laughs) You didn't hear all the fabulous things, but I'm sure Professor Rosselli can fill you in. Thank you, Chris. Wow.
17: Sorry, it's a hard mouse to move.
9: It's recorded on radio, too. She can listen to it herself.
17: I didn't open it, I left it in the folder. OK. So I brought um, some visuals for this week's um, report for this month just seemed like we met last week, I guess. Um, So first, start of the semester, we have left our kayaks behind on the lake. Actually, mine's just in storage now, but I wish I was still there. Um, And we are back in our classes, and this is actually a picture from a previous dual enrollment class that I taught at New Tech High, and these students are learning about how children perceive and use tools and how those tools actually build um, um, cognitive capacity. So. Negotiations have begun. We are hopeful, hence the smiley face ball. Um, We have some workload issues, unfortunately. We have had problems with our email system, and we are not getting all of our students' emails. Students assume that faculty are uncaring and non-responsive. They drop because faculty do not reply or respond, or they're unable to add. Um, Just this week, I had some students drop into my office wanting to add, we're a month in. They are too far behind. Lowers, by the way, our FTS counts. Um, it creates additional work um, for us because if students do finally find a way to reach us and are able to come to campus, when they get to us, they're usually angry, frustrated, and upset because we think we they think we have ignored their emails. It creates complaints by students about faculty, and some faculty have have gone and created off-campus emails to use with students giving them one more email account to monitor. We have been assured that this is going to be remedied in the next couple of weeks, but we are a month in to a new semester with college freshmen. Another thing we have is that the bookstore does not have enough text. Students drop because no text and they are behind. This is also an issue. I'll tell you, I have a high school student myself who could not get the text that she needed for her college class that she was taking that's required by her school to graduate. I went to the bookstore myself, and I asked. They said, oh, we're all out. We can order that, but it will be about two weeks before that book comes in, putting my child six weeks behind. She dropped that class. Faculty workload increases for those that are able to change their syllabi to meet this delay, or they have to find alternate materials for students to use in lieu of having the textbook that they need. And faculty are and have been researching other avenues to recommend to students for purchasing their textbooks, which, by the way, takes away revenue to our DOS um, committee. If all of our students leave our bookstore and stop using it because it's unreliable, at least they'll have their books the first day of class, or the potential to have them the first day of class. Um, Our dean hires are not complete. This means that faculty have had to take on additional workload or they have to spend time figuring out who they go to for their concerns and issues when they come up. And they are serving on hiring committees simultaneously with teaching new classes with new students. And new college freshmen are different, have different needs than existing and returning college students. We, um, our Vice President of Instruction has been, I would proud to say and happy to say, responsive to concerns and issues from faculty, and he actually returns emails, which we find very exciting. Um, we also, for the first time in a very long time, have had our lead um, administrator for faculty, which is the Vice President of Instruction, actually say positive things about faculty and the role that they have on campus. So I would like to publicly thank our interim Vice President, Eric Scheer for being responsive to the faculty on campus. I have met... <laughs> I have um, been meeting with our Executive Director of Human Resources. We have regular meetings scheduled, and we are working on shared issues together, and I appreciate that responsiveness. We, I have met with our Vice President of Business and Finance, Bob. I'm so sorry, I'm not sure what the exact name is. It's changed a couple times over the years, and I meant to look up the exact title. Vice President, nonetheless, (laughs) Um, and working with him on some pertinent issues and getting information from him, and he has also been very responsive. So, But I want to talk about the July meeting. In the July meeting, you had the Academic Senate President and myself urge you to not extend our current college president's contract and to not... Do salary increases. And when I brought up how our faculty are among the lowest paid in the state and our college president is among the highest paid in the state, um, some of, of you um, disputed that. So I decided I needed to do some research to um, see, maybe I was wrong. So this is a college president salary comparison. College one, two, three, four, and five are equivalent FTESs to Napa Valley College. Some are a little below and some are a little above. And the NVC president previous shows the existing contract for our president that's been updated, but the salary piece of it, just the 24250, goes up to 24250 as of July first of twenty seventeen. All the other columns are currently in effect. And you'll notice that our college president's contract actually gives him um, um, almost double for the car allowance and stipend for allow just for incidental expenses. We also found out that not only that, but our college president gets $1,200 a a year for a gym membership. The district pays for his phone according to his contract, and other expenses are also reimbursed. So again, as I said in July, our college president is the highest paid total compensation um, amongst comparable-sized colleges. So I was accurate in that. I do have copies of all of those college presidents' contracts. I will say, some of them were a little bit of a wrestling match to get, but I do have copies of the actual contracts and I did not rely on just the word of the person that answered my phone call. So then I thought, well... I'll try and see and use Transparent California. And again, um, College 1 and College 2, those presidents are relatively new in those positions at those particular colleges, so they're not in. But this is College 3, 4, and 5 compared to our current college president's salary. Again, our college president is the highest compensated relative to equivalent FTES colleges. But what often happens is Oh, I wanted to, also what happens is often we say, well, we're in Napa and some of those colleges might not be in the same cost of living. So I decided to compare the salaries to our kind of partner colleges of Solano and Santa Rosa because those are the colleges, two colleges, that we tend to share the most students with. And as you can see, uh, I'll point out that Solano makes uh, somewhat less and Santa Rosa makes somewhat more. But when you look at... Oops, I pushed the wrong button. Solano College actually generates more funding in FTES because their FTES is about one and a half times the FTES of Napa Valley College, while Santa Rosa generates about three times as many FTES as Napa, and so they have about three times amount of the funding for FTES. Both of those colleges create revenue based on their FTES at far greater amounts than Napa Valley College. So let's look at some faculty comparisons. Same colleges. Santa Rosa has an organization that does a very extensive and elaborate salary survey, and so I use their survey information. And what I found out when I add in health cost to the base salary, that, again, Napa Valley College is the lowest paid college for faculty within when compared to comparable colleges. Now the question marks there for college one is I don't know what their compensation is for health care. We've been playing phone tag. Um, The point also to make is that for the asterisks for College 2, their health care is paid in full, so the cost is often greater. When I say paid in full, I mean family paid in full health cost. College 5, the employee now pays 6% of the total cost, which includes family. So if I am a single person that wants health insurance from my college at College 5, I may pay fourteen. I think the lowest was like seventeen dollars out of my paycheck. But if I have a family and the total cost of my health care is, you know, sixteen hundred dollars a month, then I only pay about a hundred dollars out of my paycheck. In addition, if I choose to not have my health care through Napa Valley College at College Five, I get an additional six hundred and eighty-five dollars in salary compensation. And you'll notice throughout some of these slides that College 5 is considerably higher, even though it's the same FTES size as Napa Valley College. But College 5 is actually a college within a large multi-college district. So the entire district actually generates a substantial amount more um, funding in FTES than Napa Valley College, which would seem um, consistent with the salaries that it pays. When I take, so I decided I would do my own little project, and not just touch, um, trust the Santa Rosa project, which is statistically relevant. But, and I just did step six across the board. I think, but I had to do some, some creative stuff. Some of them were a little hard to understand. And in that, without including health, we are about the third highest paid faculty. Again, the question marks. If they fully compensate, they will go far above us because you'll notice they're right now without the health, they're already above us. So if their district pays any money in health costs for that college, they will go above Napa Valley College's faculty compensation. So I thought, well, let's look at what we are statewide on the data we have statewide. This is not um, a pick-me-up for faculty anyway. We are 65th out of 72 districts In faculty compensation, not including health benefits compensation. We are 68th at step 10 of our salary scales out of the 72 districts, and we are 65th out of 72 districts at step 15. The highest earning, earnable possible salary, that is not my language, that is taken off of the language from the organization. Um, we are 67th out of 72 districts. So let's look at our neighbors, Santa Rosa and Solano, who we often l- lose faculty to. Remember, this is our NBC president's salary in comparison to Solano and Santa Rosa, both of which generate substantially more FTS funding than Napa Valley College. Santa Rosa is 10th and Solano is 67th, not including health care. Santa Rosa pays full medical, for its faculty, which would put them substantially even more above us. And Solano last year paid full medical benefits for their faculty, which puts them, again, far above us, which is not included in this ranking. Solano did just negotiate a small percentage for faculty to copay in this coming year, and their HR person is getting back to me on the exact amount, but she assured me it was a very small amount. Tenth, highest possible earnings. Neva Valley College faculty are among, if not the lowest compensated faculty in the state of California. This banner hangs hugely on the side of our performing arts building for everyone to see. You have met tonight five new faculty at Napa Valley College who are only a sample of the stellar faculty you have on this campus. In order to have stellar programs, and it is stellar programs that get you a rating of number one, but in order to have stellar programs you have to have stellar faculty. You cannot sustain stellar faculty unless the compensation for your faculty is commensurate with the responsibility that they perform and the job that they do, and it is comparable to other faculty
1: in the state. Thank you, Diana. Thank you.
0: Moving to item nine, superintendent president's report. I'll turn it over to Dr. Kraft. Thank you.
18: Do we have a
1: foundation report?
2: Um, Mr. Martine had a death in his family and is not going to be here tonight.
11: Can I just ask that that be uploaded? Will that PowerPoint be uploaded to the website?
2: Did you say it it's there?
11: Okay. Thank sure. you.
18: So skip, skipping the foundation piece, uh, and I'm sorry, I'll have, to, I'll have to reach back out to him on that. Let's, let's go to um, Vice President reports, and then we can jump to President's report and then the PIO report after that.
4: So if you would like to lead off, Erica. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to lead off tonight. Um, uh, good evening, uh, Board of Trustees and members of the public, staff, and everyone else. So um, I'll try and keep this short because I know we've got a lot of uh, on our agenda here tonight. So the first thing that I want to say, um, for those of you who are not able to be here um, at the pre-board part where we uh, provided recognition for those five faculty members that were just tenured, um, I just want to thank the board again for uh, putting that together tonight and for allowing us to honor those faculty members. That was a tremendous a uh, pleasure and honor for me for all of them, and thank you, Christy, for being able to come after you were done teaching. Uh, we, we we appreciate you coming in. So, uh, just a few updates here from instruction tonight. Um, the first off, I'm, I'm going to try and do this for the board every single month. I want to highlight um, a success in one of our programs, and this is something that I want to regularly bring in front of the board here. So, tonight I want to talk to you about the psychiatric technician program. Uh, a comment was made in passing at an uh, at a meeting. As, as one of our deans was walking out the door a couple of weeks ago uh, saying something about how all of, all of the uh, graduates or the uh, pending graduates from the psychiatric technicians program already had jobs, all of them. Every single one of them had a job. And they just said it in passing as they were walking out, out, out the door like this was just common knowledge, like this was just something they expected out, out of their program. So I just want to take a, a, a second, you know, so I reached out to the faculty in the area, to Robert Millay in particular, but, um, and he, re, he responded to me with the following. Uh, Napa State Hospital has extended job offers to our psychiatric technician students even before they have graduated for the third semester in a row. They are committed to hiring our students as soon as they complete the program, even without having taken their state boards for licensure. Uh, we are working with Napa State Hospital to try and resolve their staffing issues, and we're very fortunate to have this resource for our students, not to mention such a great opportunity for them professionally. So I just want to take a moment just to honor that program and to honor the faculty that work in that program, Robert Millay, as I had said, but also Mary Williams, Marie Fay, and Mike Bliss, who all teach in our psychiatric technician program. Um, You know, just just one example among many of the programs that we have here on campus that are serving our students and our community brilliantly. So I just wanted to take a moment. And, and again, I was just shocked that our dean was mentioning this just in passing on the way out out, out the door one day. So, uh, additionally, we are in the process of of working on hiring. You did hear a little bit about that already tonight. Um, And thank you again for confirming the hire for our associate dean for the Upper Valley Campus, for Michelle Mono. Um, Again, welcome on board. We're really thrilled to have her with us. So thank you very much, uh, board, for taking action on the recommendation from the college on that one. Um, We uh, are going to be expecting great things out of you in the coming years, so thank you. Um, a couple of other things to bring you up to speed on, online education, distance education here at the college. So as you may or may not be aware, we are moving to a new platform um, uh, that we are using to deliver our distance education courses. So we've been using a system called Blackboard for many years now, and we are in the process of transitioning to a new system called Canvas. And I know that you've heard that here a couple of times in passing, but it just uh, as a quick update, we're running it as a pilot this fall. So we have select highly trained and very competent faculty members who are working for us uh, this particular fall to get that uh, up and running and to work the bugs out in that particular system. We're going to go more broadly next spring, and uh, uh, Bob Parker and I have been uh, work, working on this together too, um, more broadly next spring. And then by next fall, that's going to be the online educational system for our students, and we're really thrilled about it. Um, this is the system that's been recommend- recommended recommended through our state online education project. This is one that's being adopted by a large majority of the community colleges across the state. And so we're going to have this wonderful platform that we'll be able to deliver distance education through. Um, Very accessible to students, very intuitive, a lot of good feedback so far from the faculty that have been using the system. So I did want to highlight that instruction is in the process of working collaboratively with uh, institutional technology, with Bob Parker, with our staff from IT, and with our uh, faculty distance education team as well. Um, a couple of other just quick things here. Uh, uh, um, uh, Oscar DeHaro, the Vice President of Student Services, and I have been meeting on a fairly regular basis since I came into this position. And one of the real interests that, that we had right off the bat was looking at how instruction and student affairs, actually, let me correct myself, it's now student affairs, no longer student services, but looking at the intersection of what we do in our respective areas, all in the service of students, and to really explore what we can do to work better, uh, work together better to work together more closely and to really combine our efforts so that we're unified um, in our purpose of serving our students here in the community. So to that end, we have been having regular meetings, and we are in the process right now of planning a joint student services and instruction council uh, retreat later on this semester. So we're still putting together details on that, but we're talking about getting the, the, the management leadership in our two areas together to start looking at all of the projects that we have going on and looking at how they Um, how they intersect with each other, and looking at what we can do to work together more collaboratively, more consistently, and longer term to make sure that we're doing everything that we can in support of the students here at the college. Um, Other than that, one last thing to report for the board. Um, uh, We are having a retreat tomorrow for the Adult Education Block Grant. So um, several members of the administration here, including Dr. Kraft, are meeting tomorrow with um, the Napa Valley Unified School District leadership um, including Patrick Sweeney, and, uh, uh, for a four-hour retreat to go over the adult education block grant um, and to look at how our, our two districts are working together and what we can do to improve the, ser- the st- services for students through those programs, both through adult education, through the Napa Valley Unified School District, and also through adult education as we offer it here through um, Napa Valley College as well in our non-credit areas and in some of our credit courses that uh, focus on serving students at that level. So um, I'll leave it at that for tonight, and thank you very much. Thank you.
18: Um, In for uh, Oscar is uh, Howard.
8: Greetings, and and, uh, yes, I'm sitting here on behalf of uh, Oscar DeHaro for Student Affairs, and uh, thank you for having me. I'll see if I can pinch hit for him. He told me five minutes, so I'm going to try to keep it in five. Uh, But I have a lot of numbers for you tonight. Just uh, wanted to highlight uh, some things that are happening uh, in our area First I want to start off with financial aid, EOPS, and veterans programs just to give you an idea of the numbers. Uh, Right now um, in federal Pell Grants uh, we have offered uh, over $5.5 million in federal Pell Grants and currently uh, we have paid out about $1 million um, of federal Pell Grant. Uh, Our subsidized and unsubsidized loan numbers Uh, which I am happy to see are actually down uh, in terms of uh, the payout, but it's somewhere uh, close to, in both of those areas, uh, close to about 70,000. Our numbers in a foster youth uh, that we have uh, identified, we have about 56 uh, foster youth that are um, being able to get the Chafee grant, uh, and so we're is about $30,000 in that regards. Work study, which is uh, really important uh, for our students to be able to work here on campus. Uh, as of right now, we have about $211,000 that we're spending out in, in the work area of work study. Our book vouchers for our students, which uh, for EOPS care and financial aid book vouchers, uh, it's about 250 students that are able to qualify for book vouchers and the amount of somewhere around $66,000 that is saved. Our BOG fee waivers, there's over 3,300 students on BOG fee waivers, which identifies really our our population uh, that we're serving with those students qualifying for BOG fee waivers. We have uh, identified about 209 uh, veteran students that are here uh, on campus, and veterans dependents, we have about 118 uh, so I wanted to share those those numbers. Uh, also more numbers. We we're looking at our Welcome Center statistics as we're tracking that and the number of students that are coming through. Uh, so from July through August 14th, the Welcome Center has seen about 1,300 students, uh, with our peak times being between October 14th and 27th and August 27th, uh, which is our, um, you know, ad period. We saw an additional 565 students, so the traffic is, is pretty high. In the area of counseling, um, from that same time period uh, to today, we've seen uh, duplicated about 4,500 students. Uh, so your counseling faculty have been really busy. Um, we orientated, oriented close to 2,000, and between this time frame, uh, the counseling faculty have created over 3,500, uh, ed plans, educational plans. Uh, so it's been pretty busy down there. We also track things all the way down to emails, uh, daily. I have, have my, uh, my classified staff who handles that area. We have we had about 869 emails that they responded to. So it's very heavy email traffic as well that they take time to respond before they open the front, um, window and we try to get all those emails responded to. Uh, to the, to the best of our capacity. Uh, in the areas of, uh, SSSP, I wanted to share, and I, I'm not sure if this information has been put out, uh, to the faculty, uh, but I know through the Professional Development Committee, SSSP will be, um, made available $50,000 for professional development for this academic year, uh, related to allowable expenses trainings that are available for faculty and staff. Uh, in the areas of student success. And so Rebecca uh, the Professional Development Committee uh, will be working closely with myself uh, as well as the as student equity folks, uh, which is another uh, lump sum that, that's made available. But we want to ensure that SSSP is supporting the uh, student success efforts and uh, faculty and staff. Also, uh, we had a very, very exciting uh, transfer day yesterday, and I do have some just brief highlights on that. And uh, I believe have, have some information that I've uh, left for you. We had about 43 colleges attend, uh, seven out-of-state, six UCs, nine CSUs, and 21 independent colleges. Um, we had high school students that were uh, bused in uh, with the courtesy of SP for our pre-enrollment services, not only to expose them to college colleges and universities, but also to Napa Valley College. Um, One of the little bugs that we found out in the process is that it was a minimum day for Napa Valley Unified School District, and so that impacted the number of Napa Valley uh, programs or schools that could attend. And so I ensured uh, in speaking to my staff that we will not have it on a Wednesday next year because we want to make sure that we have full participation from our our local school district. We had over uh, about 375 high school students uh, and continuing program students including the juvenile uh, hall program uh that was here um and also our student affairs programs participated and we estimated it was about 1200 folks in in total but representatives wanting to stay here to further recruit our students for the first time UC Santa Barbara stayed after and actually did workshops uh as well as UC Berkeley which continually says we we have a um, tremendous amount of of our students moving forward so Uh, It was a a wonderful day. And I believe that's uh, all of our our highlights. And uh, as our illustrious leader said, you will be hearing our our end of the year report coming soon. So I'll let him handle all of that. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. Those those are stats.
18: I have all the stats. I started writing and then I gave up. Don't worry. I I, I got you covered. I got you covered. So that's wonderful. Um, Bob, thank you.
19: Yes. So just a few things to report from administrative services. And the the first thing which uh, Diana spoke about in her presentation is uh, what's happening with email. And so uh, we have been having email challenges uh, over the past month. We've sent out some communication, sent a communication to our students about the issues that we're having as well. Um, We were looking at each individual issue to see if there was an individual solution and determined that the ultimate solution was to do what we had been planning to do for a couple of months, which is to uh, implement our new email server, move to the latest version of Microsoft Exchange, and then migrate all of our email accounts over to that new server and that new version of Exchange. And so, we, uh, servers up, the new version of Exchange has been installed. The migration is, has started this week. And so as people move, so it, it is, it should be seamless to you. You may see about a 10-minute interruption in email transmissions or accessibility as your individual account gets moved from the old server to the new server. Um, if you're lucky enough to have it happen at a time that you're teaching or at a time that you're in a meeting, you wouldn't even know that uh, your uh, your account had been migrated. And so that process should take better part of a week. Uh, and so we are. I'll be sending another update out to the campus tomorrow to let every everyone know where we are with that. But having the new server, having the new IP address, having the new latest version of Exchange will address most, if not all, of the issues that we've been having with email transmissions. The other thing that's happening in institutional technology, and that is at the end of next week, is that we will be our uh, our ERP vendor, the vendor who provides our colleague system, Illusion, will be installing the, n- the newest versions of the self-service modules for our student system. And so those will be available for testing, uh, primarily to start student planning for our counseling staff. Um, but uh, uh, those will be available beginning September 19th for testing, and as soon as they're ready, we'll start rolling them out to, uh, to uh, our students. In uh, business and finance, the big thing is that the auditors will be back next week to do field work, and so they will be reviewing, uh, reviewing transactions from last year. In facilities, Um, Those of you who are located at the back of the campus should see some activity around the pond in the next week or two. We have executed a purchase order to actually make it look like a pond again. And uh, so hopefully you'll see a significant improvement in, uh, in the pond. We're also working on our scheduled maintenance schedule. The facilities committee started looking at that last week. We'll continue at their next meeting. And then finally, our uh, request for information or RFI for the Upper Valley Campus closed in August. We got one response to that. It was from a chef in St. Helena who was interested in creating a conservatory for American food studies, which would include a conservatory restaurant and a homestead inn. Um, And so these are all the request for information was strictly looking for ideas um, no specifics on what it would cost or uh, where the funding would come from. And so we haven't started any conversations yet. We're waiting for the permanent associate dean at the Upper Valley Campus to uh, to be hired. That happened tonight. And uh, so we'll look at uh, how we proceed with either this particular uh, proposal or uh, soliciting other proposals for um, other Uses that would complement what we're currently doing at the Upper Valley campus or expand what we have at the Upper Valley campus, and that concludes my report. Thanks,
18: Bob. Um, a couple of quick comments, and then um, I would like Doug Ernst to do some some um, PIO stuff. Um, bless you, whoever that was. It was out there somewhere. Um, uh, um, a couple issues. The uh, there. It is a uh, joy and a responsibility sometimes to be president. So um, when I see. Um, PowerPoints like this I can kind of feel the train running this direction and as it gets bigger. So um, it's part of the job um, and um, I'm happy and, and uh, actually grateful that you, that you did some homework. Some of it is probably not um, completely correct but we can work on that together and um, I'm, I'm fully committed to working with faculty associations so I just wanted you to, to know that and Diane and I work I think well together and have respect for each other as well. Um, a couple things, you know. One of the real joys of tonight was honoring these faculty members who came in, who I I had the pleasure and honor of hiring. Um, you know, so this is the first crew, if you will, under um, you know my tenure here. So it's it's very exciting. I can I can honestly say all those people are um, friends. We we talk together. We um, have seen each other in multiple places, and um, I've followed their careers. Um, excitingly, so that was that was really a joy. Um, we are doing brown bags now. All the cabinet is um, with the faculty association and the faculty offices. We haven't had yet um, the kind of um, participation that we would like. So we're going to a offer food, um, which is I've, I've been told will be a, a good plus, and also um, restructure the times a little bit so they're more convenient for faculty lunch um, uh, um, schedules. So move those a little earlier. However, I would say that those brown bags have been extraordinarily useful, had some very good in-depth conversations for over an hour with several people on several occasions, and it's, um, it's really, I, I think, um, exciting. As was pointed out, we do have two forums about the feasibility. Basically, it's Q&A on campus housing. Um, what is it? What would we do? How would that look? Uh, those questions are fully questions. And um, to me as well, it, it, it's simply a notion a feasibility that we're kind of engaging in at this point. And um, I'm excited to find out the answers to those questions al- along with you. Um, we do have um, a, a couple um, different options for those, and these will not be the only times that we will, that we will talk. I've already had faculty um, email me, and I've seen a couple faculty and um, some staff members regarding these. I've seen, I've met with leadership. I have not yet met with Diana on this, but every other leader in the institution I have. Um, really important, I think in student students sometimes get lost in the discourse of our conversations about what is important at the college. Um, there was a very important article that I forwarded out uh, talking about student housing and food instability or insecurity. Um, it's a It's a big issue here. I've had several conversations with administrators staff, um, not yet with faculty, about the, the student issue of hunger. Um, students come to many students come to school hungry, um, can't focus, they're working late. Um, we, I've, I've met with the Chief Arnold and we've and through the administrative um, Senate, we've talked about this a little bit. Also talked it with um, the student affairs. So one of the big initiatives I think we really need to focus on is um, keeping students front and center, really talking about what's going to make them successful. And I'm very excited about that initiative as we move forward. With that in mind, there's a lot of stuff in the news. I asked Doug Ernst, our public information officer, to kind of do a, um, a four-minute kind of overview for you from from his vantage point, quarterly, I think you called it. Thanks, Doug. I, five. I did say five. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, you get five minutes now. Okay.
20: Thank you, Board, for uh, allowing me to give another report on uh, my experience here, which has been enlightening. I uh, I learn every day something new about this place that I didn't know before It's so impressive that I want to share it with the community. So what I'm doing is really something I believe in, seeing something of value and celebrating it with the Napa Valley. <clears throat> Thank you for that opportunity. I hope to keep doing it. Uh, this is also an opportunity to uh, not just remind you of what I do, but let you remind me of what I need to do. You know, what I'm hearing is um, I could do a better job internally, communicating uh, with faculty and all the sectors of the college campus. So I'm, I'm going to endeavor to do that and hope that you see those results. Um, I'm impressed by the caring that I see here on campus. Every sector I I come across cares so deeply about doing a good job, uh, not just for each other, but for the community. And it's great to be part of a team of professionals who care that deeply. Um, Again, thank you for that opportunity. uh, To connect the college with the community is a great pleasure. Uh, We are uh, more than just newspapers. I know I give you the clipping service every month, but um, those stories lead to other things. They lead to radio interviews. You know, we had... A pretty good interview, uh, Dr. Kraft and I on KVON, it went an hour, and we covered a broad range of issues. Uh, The guy leading this, Chris Templeton, kept referring to articles in the paper. He kept referring to how he got educated about what the college is doing. Um, KPIX came here because they saw the headline in the register about housing. You know, they were here to to cover Trump, but when they saw the headline, they said, "We we can talk to an actual president not just a candidate. And, um, you know, Dr. Kraft was right there. I mean, yes, come on in, uh, accessible to the public. Uh, that message went out to a, a, a TV station that's going to come back as this uh, campus becomes uh, more known in the Bay Area. Um, there's a video going on. We've got David Schloss doing a campus video, 60-second video that is going to capsulize every, virtually every segment of the great stuff that we do on campus. 60 Seconds is going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on our website. It's going to be great. Um, Napa Broadcasting also. You know, we we do share every release. And, and what Jeff does is he takes those and he interviews people that bring this campus to the community. So we're reaching out beyond just the newspaper. Um, the interns that went to the Smithsonian was one of these stories that reached into our Latino community. And... Uh, I'm proud of that. The, um, the, the student, the nursing student who has cancer, who has a, a child in the, in the Child Development Center, it was a front-page story. It was a feature that the Register did because they saw the value of celebrating that kind of support from the college community. Um, Transfer Day, I was just there a couple days ago, and a, a Calistoga junior comes up. And she, I'm interviewing her for a story, and, she says, I want to have something more creative in the way of culinary. I said, well, have you, have you heard about our campus in St. Elena, which is just a few miles from Calistoga? No. And so I just took her by the hand and I said, come with me. We went to see Hector Brambia, and she was hooked up. She, and I felt the thrill of helping a young person learn about what they can get here at the college. Uh, North Bay Business Journal is interested in the police academy since we did that story about the diversity and sensitivity. Um, Molly Hodgins made the front page because she's a, a vintner who college got, I and mean, we actually got some a real star in the wine industry. Uh, Run for Renfrew, I've been working with um, Cassidy Nolan on that race. Patty Renfrew was this great great lady who uh, who passed but left a legacy, and every year we do this race, and uh, I've been working with Kyle on that too. Um, I think lifelong learning is still an issue. I'd like to be part of that, uh, celebrating that with the community. The rugby club, you might have seen that. Athletics is growing, too. Um, we're trying to get a Caltrans sign on the freeway on 29 Napa College this way, right there at the old exit both ways. And uh, just great to be the eyes and ears of this place to celebrate the stellar programs that you have. Thank you.
19: Thank you, Deb. Good work. Mr.
9: Chairman, uh, I have, I'm feeling a guilty need to make a comment related to the housing issue. Uh, this whole thing started because uh, the Gasser Foundation hired a consultant, Cass Walker, who made a presentation to us. And that was the first time we heard about the housing. But uh, it, that somebody came here to talk about the housing. And uh, I had been asked uh, publicly if uh, if the college had any land that could be used for housing. Uh, probably a year and a half ago now. And uh, I said, sure. And just, you know, pointed uh Nothing more than sure because it's pretty obvious that we have land whether it could be used for housing. The consultant was gathering throughout city of Napa and American Canyon uh, all the possible uh, plots of land because there's not much left uh, more so in American Canyon than here that could be a possibility could be connected. So uh, that's really what drew them to start, you know, conversations. But I just sat in again yesterday on a, not representing the college, but because of my background with uh, government and housing, planning for another housing summit, the follow-up to the one earlier that will take place in October. Uh, And all it is, is Adding ingredients to the pot. There is no plan. There is no money. Uh, but if, and if somebody asks any one of you, uh, you know, that live in the valley it, and work here, is there land where you could build housing? Your response is going to be the same. Yeah. We've got empty spaces. Could it be for other things other than housing? Yes. But right now, this is what uh Healthy Napa County, which is an organization wanting to get Napa County designated as a healthy place to live, they're focusing on that. Board of Supervisors just handed down to their staff find more find fa- places family workforce housing. I mean, family farm worker housing. Uh, so th- this is right now the boiling pot going on to the community, but. You know, there nobody is uh, thinking in any way, shape, or form that Napa College has got a got a plan. I made the statement yesterday at this meeting as a board of trustee, but not representing the trustees. That the only discussion that Napa College board had ever had about this was some years ago when we were approached for. The, use of the property on the corner, and some of you that have been around a while would know about that, would remember that. And that at that time, the board made policy that said nothing, uh, no development on any vacant land on the pro- on the, uh, the college owns would be considered for anything that did not, was not tied to the educational mission.
1: So I confess to you that I'm the guilty party that uh, started this whole thing. Thank you very much.
0: Item 10, approval of minutes. Uh, we're looking at the minutes of the special meeting of 25th August, 2016. Understand there's some amendments to the amendment. The minutes, pardon me. No? Not for the special meeting. Do I, uh, there's no objections. so uh, Approval of minutes as presented. Moving on to 10.2, minutes of uh, regular meeting, 11th of August.
11: Um, A couple things. Uh, 6.1, public comments. Um, It's Alter Star. Uh, There's a name correction needed. Not Alton star. It's alter dash star with two R's. I emailed these to Carolee last night. Um, but anyway, that's the first one. Um, the third person who spoke, uh, her name is Leonore Wilson. And then um, point nine... Approval of the minutes. Um, the correction, I just want to add the word board. That we took out so a reference to board support. That's it.
0: For are your are you motion to accept the minutes with the amendment.
11: Second.
0: Moved and properly seconded. All those, oh, we have the vote, don't we? On board, dogs.
2: I think you agreed not to vote for um,
0: minutes anymore. No, 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 no. And back to the question: It's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor, signify by saying "aye." Aye. Those, please, reply "no." Minutes for the amendment on the eleventh of August. Approved. Uh, information discussion items eleven point one
18: yes it, it, it's my honor to uh, introduce Jose tonight and um, I think you're going to take it away and and do this presentation. yes
21: we are we're really excited that know're uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're in a frenzy right about now uh-huh. okay yeah so we're going to get this rolling here, so let me get. Yeah. Students, audience, BOT members, and guests, I'm José Hernández, Assistant Dean of MESA HSI STEM programs. Over the next few minutes, uh, Chris Farmer, Patricia Padrosa, Dr. Stephen Fall, Renee Rubio, and two alums, Tony and Ennele of Napa Valley College, will present a bird's-eye view of what we have accomplished today. We received a five-year grant awarded by the Department of Education with total anticipated funding of approximately $3.8 million. We're in the fifth year of the grant. During that time, NBC Hispanic FTE has increased, and in fall 2011 it was at 26%. Fall 2015 it was out to 40.5%, and currently for fall 2016, our current estimate is at 41.2%. As you can see and as you have in the handouts, uh, uh, student services are seeing your handout and overhead presentation, and now i am it to
22: All right. Well, um, it's good to be back for one, Uh, but I don't want to spend too much time talking up here because you have a couple great students up here who are going to say more about this grant than I can. So these are our grant performance measures. I just listed them up there. Um, So this is what we are reporting to the federal government on. These are all the measures we said we would accomplish with this grant. I'm only going to highlight a couple of them here, but I'll be available for questions at the end of this presentation if you have other questions on them. Um, the first one here is well, I have to make a confession when I first took this job and I saw that the grant said that we were going to increase something 100 percent from baseline. I thought it was a typo and I laughed out loud um, but no we the grant says that we would increase the number of STEM degrees awarded by Napa Valley College by 100 percent and um, well, you know I was right we didn't make it, but we made ninety percent we increased by 90%, and among Hispanic students, we increased by more than 100% the STEM degrees we awarded. So, And then I'm going to skip past one here. To sh- This is transfers. We can come back to that later. But I want to show you this one because this is an indication of how many more STEM degrees are yet to come. These are STEM ed plans, and Patricia is going to talk more about this. And that is not a typo there. That is from 100 STEM ed plans in 2009-2010 to almost 500 in fifteen, sixteen. 16 And that is STEM ed plans for degrees from Napa Valley College, not including a student just wanting to transfer out of here, which also Patricia handles. So what has the grant accomplished? We have created a lot more STEM majors. We have created a lot more STEM degrees. And um, the tide is only growing because all of these students are still currently enrolled. So... Um, looking for increases going into the next four or five years. The other thing that you're not going to see in these slides over this time period, the number of enrollments in all STEM programs has increased, led by transfer math that's increased its enrollments by more than 400, and biology that likewise has increased its enrollments by almost 400 over this time period. So big pot of STEM majors at our school, and it's all because of these people, and I just crunch numbers and they do all the work. So that's my piece. Thank you. I think we're, questions at the end? Okay. Oh, I
13: thought you said this the end.
22: Go for it. No, I just,
13: <laughs> um,
22: without, with the
20: dramatic increase in the number of students, how has that impacted uh, faculty and facilities, and how have we addressed that?
22: Uh, Well, I believe uh, Dr. Fall back there taught about a 300% load last year, and I I don't think that's an exaggeration. So a lot of our STEM facilities have been severely impacted. (laughs) Our classes are full. If you want to look at the classes that fill up first, look at chemistry, look at biology, look at transfer math, they fill up fast. So I'd, I'd say those areas have been greatly impacted.
20: I guess what I'm asking is, do you foresee a need to hire more faculty and increase facilities?
22: Um, VP Shear, would you want to handle that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, 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 if we're hiring just based on how fast classes fill, well, if that that is part of the big equation, yeah. Um, but I will defer that decision to people who are higher up the food chain than me. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to hand it off to Patricia's next, and she's going to tell you all about the STEM counseling portion of the grant. That
23: was a great question. We've all pondered on that one. Hi, everyone. I'm Patricia Posada, and I haven't met every one of you officially formally, but it's nice to meet you in person and not just the board member titles I always see in emails and so forth. So um, thank you for giving me this opportunity.
9: Excuse me. Could you pull up microphone in front of you, please?
23: Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, So I am the STEM counselor, and I work very closely, of course, with my um, very close team members, uh, with the SME faculty, um, with um, Mesa director, with Jose, and everyone else, including other. Others in um, across the campus, um, which is very important in my uh, capacity. <clears throat> the first thing I'd like to do is um, really give thanks and appreciation before I get into uh, the meat of the my presentation. Here is to give thanks and appreciation to those uh, individuals who have been um, instrumental in allowing this to be, you know, very important for our students. And here before you even, you have Gabriel and um, Kelsey and these other two students here who um, can tell you more about what their experience is. So um, who I'm thankful and grateful for, the constituents from Community Resources are Dr. Juan Guerra, and Dr. Ruben Gonzalez from Kaiser Permanente, Vallejo, and Oakland. Dr. Velasco and Dr. Burroughs, Toro University professionals in the medical field. These are physicians. Dr. Nakanza and Dr. Rivas, who are founders of the Deep Talk organization. Dr. David Acosta, who is Vice Chancellor of Diversity and Inclusion, from UC Davis Health Sciences Department, <clears throat> and Mercedes Piedra, Program Manager of PrEP, PrEP Medico at UC Davis Health Sciences Department. Together, we are collaborative educators of, of fostering intrusive learning. Um, and that includes, by the way, all the uh, SME faculty, um, the um, MESA staff, and um, my boss, my other boss, uh, Mr. Howard-Willis. We have been instrumental in creating an educational pipeline to gain investment with big returns for our stakeholders, that being our students, our STEM MESA students. As a STEM counselor, we all know that grants always look for numbers And they love it. They love it when they see increased numbers. But it's more than that. Um, If we look back, go back to the other, the back here. Let's see. Maybe it's the other one. Here we go. So the numbers pretty much reflect if you look on the PowerPoint presentation, the total number of students served by me was 2,628. But for me, it's more than the number. And i I believe that those who I mentioned, the the constituents that I mentioned, it's more than the number. It's the idea of fostering, like I said, the intrusive learning. And the idea that those students are getting the experience that they need in a different and unique way. And that is more a hands-on approach. So that's more rewarding, um, it gives, like I said, the hands on approach for the student um, to be able to be connected with uh, faculty, with mentors, with uh, those individuals who are professionals that they look up to and say, I am willing to be there for you and go above and beyond. And I believe that that's what we do at STEM MESA. We, we are, um, and in, like I said, including the SME faculty, we all have that buy in with our students. So, um, what I want to want to mention um, what we've done this particular year that finally took went into fruition. It started last year. Uh, we started off with Kaiser Permanente um, physicians, Dr. Juan Guerra and Dr. Gonzalez approached us in. Um, I think it was with Puente program originally, and then um, they were looking to increase. Professionals in the healthcare, with um, with a growing number of health disparities, they were looking to increase the number of Latino students going into healthcare professionals' uh, careers, rather. And so they looked up to us and they said, "We have a model currently, right now, with Vallejo High School, where we're already getting the high school students involved in clinical uh, hands-on experience, doing clinical intakes, doing um, some uh, job shadowing." And so we would like to now expand that opportunity for your students at Napa Valley College. And I took the bull by the horns, and it was very difficult because there was this um, long um, meetings that we had to have in collaborations. And for me, that was really important, because I kept thinking about our students, wondering, what a great opportunity. This would be for our students. To be able to have that very same clinical experience that those high school students are getting, why couldn't our community college students get the same thing? So that is exactly what we did. We developed an MOU with Kaiser Permanente. And to expand further, we developed an, uh, an MOU with Toro University with uh, help and assistance with Dr. Um, Stephanie Burns. And um, we have... Um, At this point, this particular summer, we've expanded to um, some internships between UC Davis Health Sciences PrEP uh, Prep Medical Program and uh, the Toro University. We've expanded um, the opportunity for our students to be able to get hands-on with internships. So we gained four internships for our students to be able to participate in, at UC Davis this summer, and it was a a paid summer internship that gave them a $2,500 stipend. And um, there they were able to get hands-on with physicians, with doctors in a hospital facility at Davis. And also with the help of Dr. Burns, she um, coordinated with the medical physicians at Toro University Four internships under bio-research that specifically I underlined uh, more on the health disparities of public health. And these are really important um, experiences for our students. Um, it's more than just an academic plan. It's more about getting the student that hands-on approach. So, um, without going any further into detail, so I want to kind of give you, um, if you look up at the uh, PowerPoint presentation there, this particular um, survey was done by Toro University, a resident, four-year resident faculty um, who was bec- getting ready to become a physician. He really liked what we were doing here, which is the DOC, uh, Dreamers of Community Change Club. We established a uh, medical dreamers um, Club, and um, they. If you look in the picture here, there's a picture of us where the students. I chaperoned on the students over to the health conference in uh, at the Kaiser Oakland Center, and um, there the students met a lot of the physicians, and they made uh, they networked, they connected, and hence this particular group here that you're looking at in this picture became the very first cohort that began with the internship at the sum, at uh, Davis, UC Davis. So it's been um, a good experience for them, and I wish they were here to tell you what that was like, because I think it's really important. However, they provided us a great video of what they did throughout the entire summer. Uh, the other one with um, Toro University, that internship, uh, Dr. Burns isn't here to talk about that, but that's been um, very vital to, for our students as well. And we're only hoping that this can continue for next year. Um, for the next summer, and perhaps maybe expand, um, who knows, maybe Stanford would be the next one, right? Um, so let me see if I didn't leave anything out, because I want to make sure I cover all of my areas. Okay, so the other one, the other partnership we have um, is the Deep Talk, and which is right here, this picture that you're looking at. Deep Talk is a, um, has, the founder is Dr. Nakanza and Dr. Rivas. They came and approached, approached us about can we, is there a way we can provide a one year free membership to all the students? The notion of having interactive online learning for those students who are interested in various fields under STEM. And so these, these um, interactive online services and, and webinars are available to all of the STEM students today. Um, so this, again, took the ground from last year. It started occurring. All the students have been very involved. They come in and they sit down, and they have this one-on-one uh, discussion with these professionals from all over. And you can see these individuals either come from um, UCSC private schools. They have topics, and they learn about Admissions, or how to do an interview during, um, acad- you know, during their academic career paths, or how to uh, write a better essay. So these are experiences that a students won't necessarily get on the average. Um, counseling appointment sessions is a little bit different. Um, see what else we would like. Do you want to add anything else, Renee? Make sure we didn't leave anything else. That I think that was it. Yes. So that I didn't mention this, but this the poster that we have on here. Can you go back, Renee, where the picture was.
1: The other one. The other one. The other one. Mm, no, down. Further down. Okay. The, the last one.
23: This one. This particular poster here, the Toro University resident um, member presented this in a larger, larger scale um, poster board to various um, professional physicians across um, various conferences. And the reason they presented it, they talked about very highly about Napa Valley College starting the very first cohort of students who are being fostered by faculty by the STEM Mesa program, and we are the very first community college, by the way, um, to foster this notion in this project, so Napa Valley has to be very proud of what um, STEM Mesa has accomplished for the past five years. Thank you.
7: Hi there. I'm uh, Dr. Stephen Fall. I'm a professor of chemistry at Napa Valley College, and I am the newly elected division chair of the Science, Math, and Engineering Division. Um, I'm able to answer your question if you so de- so desire. Um, one of the consequences of of having so many people into our uh, department and division uh, is that we have the enviable posi- uh, position of being overfull. It is not uncommon for uh, us to start a class. The class will have, well, I have a class of 80, 80 students. Um, I walk in there, and there's 120 students in, standing in the room, 40 of which are trying to get in, most of which are not on any kind of waiting list. Uh, that's common in uh, science, math, and engineering division. Um, in the past, what we have done is we've opened up extra sections when it's allowed, um, uh, but we're actually, to be honest with you, we're limited by our facility. We're not limited by our desire or our or desire to work. Um, it's common for many of us to have 100% uh, overloads, um, and honestly, I've had a 300% overload at, at various, various times in my career. Um, so we are there to, to attempt to accommodate the students as much as possible, but unfortunately, um, we have only just so much space. And um, we, we really can't Add in, unless we start adding uh, sections on Saturday, we really won't be able to add all that many more students. What we need is the uh, facilities to be refurbished. We need more labs. Yes, ma'am.
11: Um, well, you just mentioned Saturday. Have, have they added sections on Friday? Cause I, yes. So there's already, they've added yeah, sections on fact, Friday, and now they're looking at Saturday. Possibly. Not only
7: are we offering them on Friday, but we're going to add this semester uh, yet another section on, on Friday. Um, to accommodate our our students, so um, we have a brand new um, instructor. Just to give you some idea, he's taught here uh, one semester. Next semester, we're we're planning on giving him a 25-hour load, which is a 66 percent overload uh, in only his second semester here. Because we're all about helping the, the students, and uh, you know, it's just what we need to do in order to accommodate these. Because the classes that we're teaching also feed into the other other classes, other, other uh, uh, programs. And so as we move more people through, they get more, more people into their program, and um, it's just better for the college, better for the students. Um, but it does become a, an issue of facility. There is also a certain issue on um, faculty, too. Getting adjuncts when, when the full-time faculty can't do it um, has been a problem, uh, division-wide, and uh, particularly in math, honestly. Uh, so we're struggling. Yes? Uh, my question is probably
20: more for Chris, but also for all of you, and I don't expect you have the answer, but do you have any way of understanding whether or not this is a temporary spike or an actual trend that needs to be addressed down the road? I'm talking about the number of students who have enrolled.
7: STEM is growing. It's going to get better or worse, depending on your on your perspective. Yeah, I I expect more students to come. This is not a spike. We're heading towards the spike. That's how that's how many students I'm expecting.
11: Yes. Is there a discussion right now about adding Saturday classes? Is that a discussion that's being had?
7: You know, it, in the department, yes. Uh, the campus officially closed on weekends, and and so. Uh, uh, there's some concern about opening it up who 's going to be you know here what kind of support do those people have if there 's a problem who do they talk to um, so uh, until we can uh, uh, figure those things out i don 't see Saturday happening for a while but certainly the discussions in the departments are taking place all right well I actually didn 't intend to,
0: oh no i I just wanted to point out that dr. Paul also puts I have an endowed scholarship here.
7: At yes, I do. Yeah,
0: part of that. <laughs> he continually awards and supports students
1: so.
0: continue on, as well as here. Thank
7: you. Thank you for mentioning that I appreciate
0: Not
1: that. only that, you took all the
9: peacocks, which saved their lives. <laughs> we owe you. Uh, yeah,
7: owe I was the guy time. that you know, and it's funny when the people ask me, "It was what did you do with them?" Well, I said I put them under my arm, and I threw them in the back of my SUV and drove them home. I can only imagine what the people on the freeways thought when they saw a peacock in the back of my SUV. Um, but, yeah, and I've recently got a call from, from the Napa State Hospital. Apparently, they've got an abundance of peacocks, and they want me to take those, too. Huh. Yeah. <laughs>
9: Dr. McCarthy used to say, I'm not going to be the president that's been taken out by the peacock.
7: (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) So the reason I am here also is because for the last five years, I've been the science coordinator for the HSI STEM um, grant. And in that capacity, what I have done is I have um, kind of overseen uh, the purchase of equipment um, I've done uh, been a uh, integral in part in the planning of uh, events uh, summer bridge and and other things and uh, been kind of responsible for uh, uh, guiding the instructors in in their programs and the purchases and making sure that everybody is uh, you know doing what they're what they should be doing so what I want to do is I want to go through a little bit of some of the equipment that we purchased and I have a small anecdote to tell about one of them, um, and I had the opportunity recently to bring uh, Eric over into our department. I mean, we didn't get a lot of time, but I did show off some of the equipment uh, to him. Uh, so it's you know these things are full of letters, you know FTIR, NMR, uh, GCMS, the LPCs, uh, all that. It, you know it's an alphabet soup of, of equipment. But what it what. Most of this equipment that you're, that you see on your list here are were equipment that was purchased for the chemistry department we the chemistry department is guided by the American Chemical Society and they have set forth uh, a minimum set of, of equipment that they consider to be appropriate for the teaching of a of secondary school sorry it 's two year not secondary school two year uh, college um, Could you move back please thank you um, and and uh, so what we did is we went through that list and we purchased absolutely everything that was on that on that list, um, including uh, a PicoSpin 82 megahertz NMR. You probably don't know what that is, um, but what it is, it's a miniature MRI machine. Now we don't put hands or or anything like that in it. We don't do that kind of work. But the, what we do is is it's a it's a machine that we can inject a sample of an organic compound and I teach my students how to interpret the data that comes out, and they'll be able to draw for you the compound. So I can give them true unknowns. They will know. In fact, I give them a, a, uh, an experiment where I give them component A and component B, and I don't tell them what it is. And then I give them an experiment, and they just follow the instructions. I say, okay, now what did you make? And using this equipment, they, they tell me. Um, that's really cool. Um, the the FTIR is is really really fun. Um, the one at the top. Um, one of my, my colleague, you probably know him, Forrest Quinlan, um, was giving a demonstration in um, a lab, and he had some high, concentrated hydrochloric acid, which he not in a lab, but in a classroom, and he spilled it on the rug. I, Matt's not here, right? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and it melted the rug, and and the students came over, and they were laughing and such, and they they said, hey, you know. Force, melted the rug and and i got to thinking about that i go you know honestly that's kind of unusual i said because the, the only thing i could think of that a rug could be made of that would melt in the presence of an acid would be nylon so i said i tell you what go get a piece of that rug so students got some fibers and they brought it back and i threw it in the ftir and no kidding three buttons later it said hey this is nylon i went cool you know and the students go that's cool and it, they were seeing real stuff working in real time with just a few pushes of a button. And that's what the HSI STEM grant did for us, among many things that it's, that it's done for us, is it's given us the ability to do these things for the students. They use these machines. We don't, use, we don't, you know, we're not sitting there typing in stuff for them. I teach them how to use it and walk away, sort of. Because it's also networked, And I can be on any computer and watch them work. And if they make a mistake, I can intervene. If I don't have to be in the room, they're not all intimidated. It's really cool, too, because it's because it's on the network. If I need to work to make sure that the machine's going to be ready the next day, I can work on it from home and get it prepared for the next day. That's cool. So... You can see that it's had a huge impact on, on certainly on our program. The students are doing things that, that when I tell people that are in the know that, you know, other chemistry programs, they say, I never even saw one of those machines until I was in graduate school. That's what we're talking about. This is really, this is cutting-edge stuff. We have, we have apparatus that students just don't see. And, and so the, you can imagine what it's doing for our students in terms of their knowledge of chemistry, knowledge of science, and, and such. It's, it's, I don't know, it's invaluable. Some of the events that we put together, the Summer Bridge Program, we also have, um, uh, which I'll talk more about in just a moment, um, uh, we also have had some events uh, at UC Davis so through the American Chemical Society. We started a discovery club. On campus, we call the discovery club because everybody's afraid of chemistry. Okay, it's really the chemistry club, um, but we don't call it that. Um, and and we have a really good good uh, uh, membership, and and people show show up, and they always have a lot of fun. We let them catch things on fire uh, appropriately. Okay, you know they said, "Well, can I can I do this experiment?" And I said, "You know, as long as it's not a felony, it's probably going to be okay." And, you know. And so I make sure that they're, they they play they play safe. We've had speakers come on campus. Charlie Bamforth, some of you uh, may have gone to that, uh, and we're planning on more of those events events this year. But one of the biggest impacts that that this equipment has had is that it's not just stuff that sits in a room that students get to use. The, certainly, the chemistry department has completely redone all of their curriculum to take full advantage of all of this equipment. Next next slide, please. So what you are looking at are the cover pages of four lab manuals that have been produced by me um, for for, for all of general chemistry and all of organic chemistry, and one is being refurbished right now for the use in in introductory chemistry. And all of these use the cutting-edge techniques specific to the equipment that we have purchased. So these, these lab manuals directly reflect the equipment purchases and the changes that have been made in, the, um, in our program because of the HSI STEM grant. As I, say, as I say right up there, you can see that it's 1114 pages of material represented by those four books that you're looking at, at right, right there. Um, it's, it's, and the other thing about that is that these things are available in the bookstore at a reduced cost to our students. So not only is it representative of all the equipment that we've purchased, but it's also less expensive for our, for our students at the same, same time. Um, and it directly reflects what we are doing. It's not someone else's interpretation that we are modifying somehow for our personal use. Um, so you can see that the HSI STEM grant was not, it wasn't just money. It was, it, it literally changed the face of what we do. In the science department, you could go to the next one, please. And so, one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to tell the world. Basically, we wanted to to uh, uh, export this. We started the Summer Bridge program, and using through the Summer Bridge program, we were able to um, uh, bring in uh, high school students. I know Jose will talk about that a lot more. Um, this this slide is primarily primarily there to let you know that the one of the things that we did was I requested a top-of-the-line workstation computer with lots of graphic software. And people went, really, what's that got to do with chemistry? And I said, you are looking what it has to do with chemistry and science in general. That page that you're looking at was created by me. You know, every, everything that you see, including the Napa Valley College logo, actually, is, is, a, is something that I could. I didn't import that. I created that in 3D and took pictures of it. Okay? So so that would not have been possible without the purchase of this of this workstation, without the purchase of the 3D drawing software and a Photoshop and all the other things necessary to put these things together. Doing that allowed me to create a manual for the Summer Bridge that brought all of our disciplines together under one roof. So we had biology, chemistry, physics, engineering, geology, mathematics, counseling in the library, all in collaboration. And in some years, we all focused on the same topic. And we saw how do these different groups look at the same issue in different ways. And that was cool. So, so for example, you know, what about the library? What did they do? Well, what we said was we're going to talk about energy. And so in chemistry, what did they do? They made biodiesel. In the library, they did research on fracking, you know, and then in, in engineering and geology, they did different things with with energy energy systems. Very cool stuff. But this is this was the result of direct result of the uh, HSI STEM grant and what it did for our our program. It allowed us to bring all of our disciplines together, work interdisciplinary. Um, Really, for the for the first time, really, and one last thing that's that's happened is that we are going to institutionalize this in a in an interesting way. Um, I've been asked, and and part of part of the grant says we need to write curriculum. So we are putting together a multidisciplinary um, research program, uh, research uh, class for our students, so that. The biologists will come in, the chemists will come in, the mathematicians will come in, you know, and, and others will come in and talk about various areas of research so that we, they'll see the, the, the relationship between them all, and none of that would have been possible had it not been for the HSI. So with that, thank you very much for your attention, and I'll turn it over to Thank you. Does need, need a bomb? A, p- I mean, pardon me
0: a, a second, Jose. Do oh. we need a biology major over here? What, what do oh. we have? What's going on? All right.
21: Sorry about the.
0: Oh.
21: <laughs> We've seen worse on our campus. <laughs> oh, yeah.
9: Yeah. Sorry about the, the little kind of girly moment when I screamed and jumped
21: and ran out of my seat. All right. All right. Thank you. All righty. So. Dr. Falls touched upon our STEM Summerbridge programming. So, quickly, I just want to go through some of the things. The Napa Valley College STEM Summerbridge Project is a multidisciplinary approach to learning that covers science, technology, engineering, and math. And that's in STEM education. It demonstrates concepts, as Steve has alluded to, in chemistry, math, physics, geology, engineering, biology, showing how these disciplines interrelate to one another in the classroom during lab experiments and while on field trips, because that's what we do with the students. Together, these disciplines will give the student a broad view of how science and math integrate in a collective experience in STEM education, seeing how math is used in science and prepare for success in their pre-calculus class. In addition, we have a constant class that focuses on career student success and transformational leadership. Why is HSI STEM programming and summer bridge needed? Thank you for asking. Napa County has stark contrast between haves and have-nots. Between 2004 and 2016, the proportion of Napa County residents identified as Hispanics increased by more than 7%. Hispanic students claimed 55% of the K-12 population for Napa County in 2015-16. In 2013, 74% of Hispanic students placed below proficiency level on CST Algebra One test in grades 7 through 11. The Stanford Public Policy Institute of California study, quote, Napa County has one of the highest poverty rates in the state when factoring the cost of housing, medical and expenses, and other social assistance programs. Napa, Napa led a 25.5% poverty rate in 2011, trailing only Los Angeles County's 26.9%. We've had a total of 117 local students participate in our, in our STEM Summer Bridge product, uh, projects. We've had part-time outreach specialists visit 10 assigned high schools within our region, uh, to talk about the students, to talk about post-secondary ed, financial aid, et cetera. We also include a parent, uh, a, a parent participation component where we work with groups like Siempre Adelante, We conduct parent workshops. We give them a a summer bridge orientation. The parents themselves have a tour of all the STEM labs. The parents are our greatest ally in our community, so we need to work with those parents. We also have awards and ceremonies with local politicians, key STEM faculty, and students. And now to Renee.
24: Hello, everyone. Hello, board. Hello, audience. I'm Renee Rubio. I'm the MESA and STEM uh, Student Services Specialist. I've been supporting the MESA and STEM program with coordinating our STEM tutoring. But here I wanted to point out some of the activities that we've done throughout uh, the last academic year. We had 92 uh, events, fellowships, and conferences, and professional development speakers and workshops. Uh, I've assisted the students through the coordination of getting in buses, setting up the travels for them through different uh, universities, conferences, writing letters to uh, Dr. Kraft, hey, we're going to send a student out to Detroit for the SHIP conference, or we're going to send a, uh, the woman in, in a STEM empowerment uh, with Patricia's uh, chaperoning to Seattle for a, an engineering conference. So all of that, you know, we work together as a group uh, in regards to putting all these events for, for the students. Um, these are some of the visits we, that we've done. UC Berkeley experience we had an overnight at Berkeley we have engineering day at Berkeley uh, we've worked with the biology scholars program with Dr. John Matsui, the uh, PI for the STEM grant some of the UC Davis visits Sac State our geology um, Carrie did a trip uh, this last, well two summers past and Dr. Richard Della Valley as well Uh, Antonio Castro uh, provided some of the uh, trips to solar fields, uh, to the Napa Sanitation, the City Public Works, uh, so our students were able to check out different facilities, companies in our our area. Jose mentioned earlier parent participation. We encourage our parents to participate as much as possible through events, through our STEM fairs, through our MESA STEM uh, award ceremonies, and when we have uh, orientation nights. Here are some of the services that uh, were provided to the students. I mean, they're all on your slides, so it take us forever to go through all of them. But let me go point out a few. These are our six STEM, uh, four STEM clubs and two national chapters. Stockton's is our national chapter. Is a, uh, advanced, um, it's a Society of Advancing Chicanos and Native Americans in Science. Our second year, our Women in STEM Empowerment, uh, Faculty advised by Patricia, our robotics club. Uh, both Antonio Castro and Dr. Aaron Queely have been their uh, advisors. The, you heard earlier today the spin off from Kaiser, the Deep Talk. We have the uh, Dreamers of Community Change, our pre med club. Uh, they're, they're sponsoring different events, uh, bringing in speakers. We just had a speaker this uh, week uh, from Toro, a resident at Toro, talking to our students of his journey. Through, the, through pursuing pre, uh, medical, a medical field. Um, <clears throat> those are all done with our faculty that have put time into these students, the students themselves becoming leaders. You heard the, uh, Dr. Fall, he's the, him and Dr. Qu- uh, Quillen have been the faculty advise for the Discovery Club, Chemistry, and SHIP, our Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, which we have our former president here, one of the students, so she'll be talking soon. And these are the clubs some of the events have done throughout the year, this past academic year, and research. Research is huge. We want the students to get the exposure. You heard Patricia talk a little bit about it. Students uh, through the NASA Ames Project with Antonio Castro this summer being the coordinator and last year Dr. Ann Uh students are again exposed to different opportunities through research, creating the, that created the spinoff of the robotics club. These students got so energized that they wanted to build robotics uh, we're purchasing more equipment so they can continue building. They want to do um, go-kart, you know, controlled software. So there's a lot of programming they have to go through. We have the Dwight David Eisenhower, which we're asking yes to approve. This will be our seventh year. Each student gets $5,000. As part of the $5,000, they use that uh, to, to do research with Antonio Castro in regards to a transportation-related field. These students travel to Washington, D.C., for the annual Transportation Research Board Conference that's usually held in January. Uh, you can see Toro. We heard Toro earlier. There's uh, Alexis down at the bottom. He was one of the students that did research. Uh, one of the past summers, I think it was summer 2015. Up above, uh, that's our MESA pg and uh, conference. Students get to learn, meet uh, HR uh, reps from different industry of how to do mock interviews, resume So the students get exposure to to all of that. I mentioned NASA. And community service is huge. You know, our students, we want our students to give back, not just back to our campus, but also to our community. A big one that, you know, I always bring out when I'm advising our students, okay, now you're a student, you're giving back. You know, when the need was for, after the earthquake, some of our students, and Lee was one of those students, Went out and wanted to volunteer during the earthquake, so we got a letter back. I just I got it a um, few, few years back. Got sent to the college, finally found his way to our center, and it was really nice and touching that this lady took a photo, uh, Mary Dean, and wanted to say thanks. You know, for the students to help her out, even as simple as putting a stand together. A lot of them went into different sites. We didn't get you know photos, but they helped clean out uh, during the debris and. So that was some of the things they did. And there's our tutoring as well. It's pretty busy. Claire is a busy lady. Um, now I want to turn it over to, to your NBC greatest and brightest and our recent transfers, our NVC alumni. I'll call up Tony Spragan to say a few words of her experience here while at Napa Valley College.
3: Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Tony Scroggin, and I had the pleasure of being in the MESA program for the last two years, and I'm now transferring to UC Davis for electrical engineering. And potentially, thanks to Dr. Fall, hopefully I might be going for a Ph.D. Um, the main thing that's absolutely crazy about the, the MESA program to me is prior to me being here, I was actually uh, working for a bank, and I was going for business, and I actually have two children, and I'm married. Um, And during that time, I had always been told my entire life, no, 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 no. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're going to only be able to go into business and basically be a domestic housewife. Um, It wasn't until I was actually transferring to go into, uh, I actually got into CSU East Bay to go for business. And I had to take a calculus class with Yolanda Woods. And when I took that calculus class, um, I realized everyone else in there was an engineer or going for engineering and I spoke with um, Patricia Passato, and I said, I'm interested in possibly going into engineering. This is something that I've kind of always wanted to do my entire life. And rather than hearing no, like I've always heard my entire life, I actually heard a, yes, you should do it. Do it now. Here is MESA. Here is this. Here is that. And it actually led me into being um, board members on the, the Women in STEM Empowerment Club, um, to actually being a board member for a little bit on Discovery Club. It was a little too much for me because chemistry is quite intense. Um, and I actually is one of the founding members of the Robotics Club, and the Robotics Club logo was actually designed by Dr. Fall using his really sweet computer technology. And so we got some cool shirts, and um, yeah, we started off with a club that had a it was a total of three people in the club, and we—the last when I left, we had 37, I believe—was um, our last standing. Um, and then I also was part of uh, two NASA programs. So I did one NASA program through the Space Grant, um, where we got to go to NASA Ames. I also was given the opportunity to do a um, uh, the National Community, Collar, uh, National Community College Aerospace Scholars through NASA as well, and I was able to travel to Palmdale um, and visit NASA Armstrong and build robots using Lego Next systems, as well as um, being a Department of Transportation fellow um, and focusing my research on solar roadways. Uh, The biggest thing is MESA has inspired me to think bigger than what I've always been given I've always only been given the bare bones basics, and for once, there's actually been someone that says, "Go for it, do it," and they inspire so many people. I'm just one of these students. There's hundreds of students. You know, Gabe was even in the Space Grant this um, last—not last summer, but the summer before. Um, They—they've done so much for me. Like I can't even put into words what they have done, and this is all with a facility that is leaking water on on, on our projects and making it so we have to turn off the lights and work in the dark and um, not having the proper facilities for chemistry, I had to actually petition to get an, an additional chemistry class because I was Priority C. Um, and uh, by the time that I was actually registering for Priority C, it was already full with full wait lists. And I, along with 30 other people, were able to sign a petition within a week or so. I don't even think it was a week. And um, that was rough, especially the first day when there was, I think, 45 students that you had to turn away. That was that was crazy. I've, I still feel, like, pain for all the people that um, weren't able to take the classes and are having to be here yet another year for that. So I really, truly hope that MESA is... Adequately looked at for all the benefits that they've done, and it's it's amazing what they do. I wouldn't be where I am right now, going starting UC Davis in two weeks, if it wasn't for Patricia, for Jose, for Dr. Fall, for Renee. Of all people, like thank you, Renee, (laughs) and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you. I'll
24: introduce our other fabulous student, uh, Enli Bugarin, a uh, recent transfer as well.
25: Good evening, everybody. My name is Enli Bugarin, and this fall I'll be transferring to Cal Poly Slo as a biomedical engineering major. I am undocumented, Latina, and going into engineering. Everything about me is the stereotype for failure. But thanks to MESA, I have been able to transfer and Hopefully, I will succeed uh, at the two years I have left over there. Um, I'm able to uh, receive financial aid through FAFSA, but people like Renee and Jose have helped me find scholarships that I can apply to. Um, That's something that you don't get from programs um, here at the college, but Mesa absolutely was like a family to me. Um, Thanks to that, I can pay for my finances over there. Um, In MESA, I was involved in the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers chapter. I was the president this last year, and the two years before that I was secretary as well as the uh, outreach coordinator. Um, Through SHIP, I conducted a lot of um, leadership opportunity programs um, like our movie premiere, in which I uh, invited the local high school and I uh, displayed a robotics movie. Um, I also conducted a breakfast with Engineers, in which I invited the San Francisco Professional Chapter, and they served as mentors for our students here, as well as our uh, Napa High School chapter. Um, I was not part of the uh, STEMBridge program, but learning about it now, it would be a shame for a student in my position to not have that opportunity. Um, I thank Renee and everybody again for the opportunities they have given me. Thank you.
21: What can I say, huh? Anyway, there is a conclusion. All right, so in conclusion, we've presented reasons why NVC needs to embrace, support, and institutionalize the STEM movement on our campus. The inclusion of a a bilingual STEM counselor, math instructor, STEM summer bridge, STEM tutoring, and a pending research class uh, results speak for themselves. We developed a community-based program with leadership from Napa Valley College faculty and staff and with on-campus and off-campus advisory board. In particular, I want to acknowledge those who have worked alongside me as well as two individuals who have given me 110% of their time to make our program efforts successful. You want to use that last one I'm going to. Steve, Assistant uh, Superintendent Oscar Deardo, who is not with us today, and Dr. Stephen Fall, chemistry professor, Chair of Science, Math, and Engineering, and recipient of a special congressional recognition for his contributions to our programs. This concludes our presentation. Thank you. I
0: think that the thank you, Jose, is from us. And thank you for the the work that you do and all the staff and the presentation this evening. It uh, really makes sense. Uh, All your hard work and and the reason why you do things like this. Thank you again. I think uh, that uh, 10-minute break might be uh, well-earned at this point. So let's uh, Come back to our seats at eight twenty seven. Thank you very much. The crickets.